Welcome to Thug Crowd Radio. Please listen to this important disclaimer in its entirety. All participants of this Thug Crowd Radio episode are characters. None of the stories told during these episodes are based on facts, truth, or reality. All works of fiction displayed during this episode that resemble real-life situations are coincidental and are not meant to serve as guides or tutorials to commit any crimes in any country. Please consult an attorney for local laws and regulations. And as always, trust your inner criminal. Hey. Hi. Hey, hi, everybody. Welcome to Thug Crowd, episode 33. So hello, hello, everybody. We've had quite a week here, and um, it's been a lot of news and a lot of interesting things happening. Um, so I guess you should get right into it, because we have a lot to cover today. Um, so yeah, oh, what happened here? Um, there we go. <clears throat> so yeah, um, how's everyone doing? How was everybody's weekend? You always ask that. It was drunk again. How was hers? <laughs> it's so drunk. I don't know about you. I was sober. Yeah, me too. I've been sick for a week. I wish I was drunk. <laughs> Above the influence. Um, we, Halloween parties were really, really big around here for some reason. We don't really do Halloween. Well, we do, traditionally, we don't do Halloween, but it seems we do now. So. There are a bunch of people dressed up as Steve Irwin. Uh-huh. Wait, so you don't do Halloween in in um, Australia? No, Halloween is specifically an American thing. Like it, it was Irish originally, but even the Irish aren't that interested. <laughs> it's American. It's become people sort of start the little things here and there, but like it's nobody came trick or treating in my house, and that's not just because I'm a- <laughs> no. Yeah, mine was pretty oh, yeah. good. Went out to uh, Hackerspace, local Hackerspace 23B. Uh, what did you do there? They, they had a party, which was kind of neat. I hadn't checked it out before. Uh, Since so coming down Ooh. here. <laughs> um, so it was nice. Yeah, uh, I I, don't, I forget what I did this weekend, honestly. Um, I finished like a couple of bots and uh, wrote some code. Pretty cool, I guess. <laughs> um, shout out to Skelsec for making dope tools all day. Um, so yeah, um, all right, let's uh, get into some of our announcements here, and I'll post the show notes in our Twitch chat. Uh, one second, there we go. Oh, we already did it, Shell. <laughs> I was like in the middle of on it. doing it while you did it. <laughs> Amazing. Um, so yeah, uh, this week our topic is aesthetics for hackers, and so I'm excited to talk about this. Um, but we have some announcements for this week. So this weekend, this Saturday at 8 a.m. Um, in East Coast time in America, we are starting our 24-hour CTF stream for charity. Um, and you know what's funny is I realized that American Daylight Savings Time 
is starting on um, that day. Uh -huh. So <laughs> I don't know uh, who else has daylight saving time that's happening that same day, but we will have uh, uh, an extra hour here at least. But it'll just kind of just, I guess, end earlier. I don't know. I didn't even know that until I checked it the other day. So 25 hours. Gotcha. Anyone have anything to say about that? We're hacking um, back in time. Yeah. Um, we, have, uh, we still have a couple of spots to sign up for. We'll, we're going to fill them with uh, some interesting content if uh, nobody gets some of them. But if you are interested, last second in getting in here and um, doing the CTF stream, then just let me know. Uh, you can message Thugcat on Twitter. Um, and yeah, we've raised $177, it seems like, so far, of our $10,000 goal. So, like <laughs> close. Yeah, close. Um, yeah, I'm not really that good at raising money, I think. But yeah, I don't know. Do it as a team. Wait, is that is that through the Patreon or separate? Um, also, the CLSSPs will be going out this weekend. So everybody who has already given me their info and who is a Patreon supporter um, has already, I have everybody's stuff lined up, but you have until tomorrow to become a Patreon supporter um, of $10 or more to get a physical CLSSP cert sent to you. Um, and then $2 Patreon supporters can get a virtual one emailed to them if they want, um, depending on what you want to do. Um, but you can print it out at home. It won't have the fancy stuff on it like we'll have, but it'll still be valid to the certificate body. <clears throat> um, so, yeah. All right, uh, let's get into the news here. So the first bit of news is actually pretty cool. Um, so there's been uh, a legal decision um, by the Congress or Library of Congress and the uh, Copyright Office um, that says that there are, hold on. Wait, do I have everybody muted? No. So, no? Can, um, no, we're, uh, we can talk. No, I'm good. I can, I can talk. Yeah. He doesn't Everyone realize that he's muted himself yet. There you go. I just yeah. fixed it. Wow. No. Hey, I just, I just unmuted everybody. I'm so sorry. I thought that everybody was <laughs> not talking. talking. I was like, nervously. Yeah. I was like, uh, is everybody just not going to say anything at all? Sorry, guys. Wow, this whole podcast thing is uh, barely working out. <laughs> um, you know, we haven't done it before, so this is brand new. Oh, brand so were, new. You guys, were you guys talking while I was, like, could, I couldn't hear anything. So were you guys, were people able to still hear you guys? And were you just, was it me doing a not Dan? It's fine. It's it's all good. Good. Hell yeah. It's okay, good. cool. I see how that happened now. Um, yeah, anyways, on with the show. So, so does anybody have anything to say that I did not hear? Uh, I mean, I guess I'll listen to it later, but CLSSPs and CTF? No, you answered the oh, question, like, unknowingly, I think, in cool. the chat. <laughs> awesome. Um, okay, cool. <clears throat> well, now, um, now that I have friends that are helping out with this, <laughs> um, I guess let's get into the news here. So the first one is pretty cool. Uh, this, um, so the Library of Congress and the Copyright Office have um, basically, there's been a bunch of, of, of legal um, battles about this with the right to repair movement. And there are, you know, there's always gonna be people that are trying to do, I guess, DRM and copyright protection. But in the cases of things that are, you know, things that you can actually fix and repair, like 
specifically like the tractors and cars and phones things like that um there's just been you know tons of, of battles against the um, copyright holders about this because of really weird and shady and annoying drm um and so um now it seems like they're but you can actually like hack drm and and to like do stuff to your electronics um it's like legal now to do that thank god i mean it's not like any of us were doing that beforehand right no absolutely no, not, not at all <laughs> <laughs> no, I, uh, I think um so one of the things about it, i think is, is like obviously this is a push people right to repair is pretty interesting because most of the people who are going to use this are not repairing shit you know but that's still cool well, well, we're I think on that... the subject of uh, the Library of Congress uh, making uh, these laws better. They're allowing uh, video game preservation now. Uh, they're letting uh, some museums, like uh, the Video Game Museum, or I think they're called, or uh, there's some gaming museums that collect like retro games, and uh, they're allowed to restore the online gaming functionality uh, to a certain extent, uh, so that like uh, researchers and historians can actually uh, play the games at, in their original state. So it kind of yeah, takes away the argument game. that uh, World of Warcraft, remember when that actually first got shut down and then someone actually figured it out and actually started creating his own? Uh, no, that's a whole different topic, actually. So that also something uh, along those lines is uh, Blizzard released WoW Classic, mm-hmm. and um, which means that all of the stuff that applies that would have possibly applied to Blizzard because you actually need to have the source code for the online server um you can't just be a researcher who reverses it and just straight up just makes a new server you have to uh you have to actually um work with the publisher or whatever um and if they don't exist anymore then that's a different story but in the case of blizzard or activision they do exist and they re-released wow classic so um blizzard have conveniently uh made a whole new project that happens to skirt this law so that nobody plays on wow private servers Good to know. It really depends on the on the the corporation, I guess, behind the intellectual property. Because there's some abandonware games from like the '90s where the publishers are still aggressively chasing royalties um, for games yeah. that like 50 people in the world give a shit about. Um, I mean, and if you publish a copy of them online, they'll come after you with lawyers and stuff. So. There's some, like, especially like flight simulators and stuff like um yeah really specialist niche games that were super expensive back then they still are so i don't oh, know yeah, that's because you can get copies that you can fly planes into the world trade center but maybe a bad example <laughs> no with um with, with like system shock 2 like looking glass studios went broke and i guess it spawns like dead space and bioshock and stuff like that um, but there was a System Shock remake finally coming on. Uh, so wait, if you don't know what System Shock is, it's like one of the greatest cyberpunk um, first-person like RPGs. Like it's a first-person shooter crossed with an RPG. It's like total cyberpunk. It came out about the same time as Half-Life um, Number Two. Yeah. And like, there's it was a huge thing for years over it not being um, like the, who who owns the rights and whatever. And there's like this like patch that came out for it. It's totally esoteric. It's French. It was like on a French forum, and it's just a patched executable, and it's not like not just someone's binary patched it. Somebody's re- like patched the code and recompiled it from source. So like somewhere out there, 
someone's had the source, fixed a whole bunch of bugs and just released like a, a like a totally underground like fix for like so many problems in the game. <laughs> That's also where uh, Shodan came from as well. I remember that yeah, um, yeah, in, in the in the emulator space, like Neo Geo was super aggressive about this for the longest time, and you just couldn't get like Neo Geo ROMs legally at all. Um, Something happened in the last couple of years, and that just changed. Now it's not a problem. Did the company disappear? I don't know. Yeah. No, I mean, it's interesting, because, I mean, there's there's so many weird things, especially, like, in the whole realm of, like, software patents and things where there's just, you know, to, to repair something or to fix something or to take something apart, it's like you're somehow breaking some TOS. And I, I wonder what the, this will end up doing to... Uh, like current TOSs that say like you are not allowed to decompile this software, you know, it's like, yeah. okay, like that's the most vague thing you like, you know, you could say like you can't decompile. I mean, it's can't look at the software. It, it's on your computer, you know, <laughs> like you should be allowed yeah. to uh, look at it. Um, so yeah, it's definitely um, going to be interesting to see how this plays out in some of the cases that people have had um, and future stuff that might come up as well. Well, I, yeah, even more relevant is how like, Apple responds to people poking around inside their, you know, firmware and stuff. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, they, they don't like them that. They kill them, right? Yeah, exactly. Or both. Um, or both. They kill them and then they resurrect them as some kind of like cyborg, and then <laughs> they work at Apple. Um, but it 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 really it interests me the way that like there's a lot of people that are online complaining specifically about Apple and their and their draconian um, oversight when it comes to reversing in general hardware or software, um, and they're kind of the biggest elephant in the room on this topic I think in security world at least. Yeah, I think the um, what. What will be interesting is if, if it does open up more doors, like will we see more jailbreaks? Like, I don't know, probably not. I think the people who are doing that kind of stuff are already on the game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, so speaking of Apple, uh, this is interesting. So Apple has reportedly blocked the uh, great key tool. Um, or. Yeah, people don't know, I guess, how they've done it, but uh, there's been an assumption that it's due to this uh, USB uh, restricted mode, which is actually really cool. Um, so this feature shuts off the lightning port access on the iPhone if it hasn't been unlocked by a user in the last hour. Um, and so that's like, I don't know, I mean, it's a pretty genius little solution for something like this, because when you get a phone taken, you know, if you leave it on, you have memory and everything, like everything's still stored there. But then if you're able to unlock the phone, like, you know, you have unlimited tries, you could do a bunch of different random stuff to try to like mount it or do whatever to it. Um, but this locks, this is like a software lock on the phone, yeah. which is awesome. I think something really like, um, like maybe, is anyone familiar with the made for iPhone MFI key encryption standard thing that they enforce on? Okay, so there's this, I don't know that much about it, but for like uh, Bluetooth devices that, that work with iPhone, um, and I, I assume it, it might apply to wired connections as well, like Lightning, Thunderbolt, USB-C. Mm -hmm. um, 
Apple very strictly controls like issuing a, a private public key pair, I guess, for lack of a better mm -hmm. term. Um, and if, if the device that, that connects does not have a valid MFI key, it's rejected. Um, it's like an extra layer of security they put on top of an insecure protocol like BLE. Um, potentially, like, they could uh, be doing the same. It's like driver signing for hardware, I guess, but across a different interface. Yeah, but I mean, like, if you take Windows lands and you go uh, driver signing, need certificate, blah, 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 it's pay, either pay Microsoft or you hack like a dodgy Taiwanese hardware manufacturer and then you get mm -hmm. the key. That's, that's what I we've think seen it's before. A, so. It's the same yeah, with like code signing. So it's, it's nasty. It's like 10K yeah. a pop. Well, Apple also does that with like their cables, right? Like Apple is just generally a fan of like this kind of more restrictive model of doing business. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it's definitely going to be interesting to see how um, Celebrate and all of the companies that try to do um, the sort of uh, unlocking and, and exploits on on phones um like how so they respond where I, where i was going with that mfi key thing maybe they've implemented some kind of additional layer in between whatever celebrate was doing um yeah hey there's an like they could they could make an authorized celebrate for law enforcement that has a very specific key that's checked and it's hard coded in mm -hmm. uh and and only law enforcement is allowed to do that and everyone else isn't allowed to do that um, I'm, I'm dumbing it down a bit, but um, I'm just thinking ahead, how is Apple, or if Apple is going to comply with these these new regulations that are coming in from Western countries that says, you must give us some way to do this. Um, also though, like you'll notice in this article and others, I mean, I haven't even found, like I don't, I don't exactly go through the settings of my iPhone like a like a lot of fanboys do right after every time it updates. But uh, there's this erase data after like 10 failed passcode attempts. I, I, have a thing, I have a feeling though that with these, uh, the gray boxes and stuff though, that they were pulling a key and brute forcing them offline. So I don't think they counted as, as uh, failed attempts. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I agree. I don't think they're actually sending like pin pad entries across a wire to the device and then waiting for a response. That, that was actually, that was actually, maybe there's a TNC timing, firmware available. They might've grabbed it. Maybe they grab it from, from timing inference. Maybe they grab it from emissions. Maybe they have found some other direct memory access and they just pull an encrypted string out of memory somehow and then offline. Right, yeah, that's that's what I, that's that's how I had assumed it was it was working, but um, like because because way like back, the media, um, the way the media talks about it is like it's brute forcing the, the the pin somehow, and that's the the way it's kind of presented in the media is this is some kind of Terminator Two Judgment Day thing that you plug into the phone and it, it figures out the pin. Things cool, but yeah. uh, so like the firmware password for uh, the UEFI firmware passwords for the for Macs around um, like 2013, iOS 10, or sorry, Mac OS 10, I think. Um, it's not like like Mac OS X 10 point fucking whatever. Um, you could uh, write um, a hid 
a head firmware to a TNC and then connect it as a keyboard. Um, and it would just sit there and try every, uh, every combination of like four to six, I think it's six digits or something for just firmware passwords. And I'll just sit there and brute force it. You just plug it in and leave it and away you go. And you get the front, like that was like, you can watch countless tutorials on YouTube on how to break the firmware password of Max using this like ridiculous technique. And like people took it to the nth degree where they like have TNCs now that, that have like LED screens on it. And then like the very next iOS up, oh, sorry, Mac OS update, like Apple just like disabled that shit and made it a passphrase. <laughs> it was, yeah. So I guess they've, they've just followed that same sort of thing. They're going like, okay, well, people have made, like, you know, done this method to, to mitigate this in by turning off the port, suckers. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, so yeah, has anyone here tried the Xorg uh, Privesk technique yet? Tried and uh, failed. Yes. Um, so yeah, there's been a lot of uh, talk about this um, privilege escalation um, path through the Xorg server um, because basically you can set uh, the module path and log pa log file paths for Xorg when you start it. But basically, if it's if it is a set UID binary, it can be used to overwrite uh, Etsy Shadow um, with uh, like just by starting up Xorg. Um, so yeah, <laughs> but I don't. I mean, I don't know how common it is to have Xorg as a set UID binary, uh, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's interesting uh, nonetheless that it can do uh, arbitrary file write like that. The Red Hat Bugzilla seems to show. Um, I mean, looking at it now, just really quickly, the log file is created, and they did assign it an RHSA. Uh, there's an RHSA and a uh, and a CVE assigned. So I guess in some scenarios, it, it seems to work just fine, but uh, yeah. it doesn't seem to be, it doesn't seem to be um, like, hey, log into, it's not log into any box and bang you or anything. Yeah. No, I mean, it definitely seems like you, I mean, you have to have certain circumstances if it's, you know, a COID bug. Um, binary, but I mean that's it's still an interesting um, vector for privilege escalation for sure. It's just um, annoying when you see stuff that like claims every like so many distributions are vulnerable to it, and that's not always the case. Yeah, and I mean, you run into these snags with it. I mean, like if anything is set UID, then it's going to be vulnerable to this. So it's, it's just like I feel like I don't know exactly if it's a configuration bug or if it's a um, if there are some like some distributions that ship with Xorg as set UID. So, I mean, if anybody has any more information about whether or not that is the case on any stock distros out of the box, um, let us know. Um, I, mean, I remember finding uh, a bunch of bugs in Corel Linux in 1999 because half of the XOR components were set UID for no good reason. And exact same, yeah, yeah, exact yeah. same plus month. It, it's, it um, happens over and over again. Yeah. X, X having permissions though is generally around like the uh, direct access to the um, graphics device though, right? So, pulse audio, yeah. that kind of stuff. So, I mean, that's and often, often it's, it's, it's in, just yeah. out of laziness. Like it's a, it's whoever's developing or building or packaging, it's out of laziness. They, they run into trouble with like Alsa or something or some graphics thing. So they're like, ah, I need to do this as root. It's going to be too hard for users. <laughs> so I'll just change my so process. You, 
<laughs> set your ID. Everything is there. set your ID. Tara's route. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, well, it, I mean, setting up like setting up extensive group permissions and and then SGIDing things specifically, it's it's a nightmare, right? It's just an easy fix. Um, and unless you've got a security guy sitting next to you that says, "Dude, that's a bad idea," <laughs> then the only way you find out is when someone reports it as a vulnerability. <laughs> yep. A lot of these things, like if you if you actually RTFM on like. XORG processes, it will say in the manual page, never set this as root. It can be like one of the first things it says. Yeah. Um, but we see it over and over again. It's, hey, it's no different. Like if you get a Chinese smartphone and pop a shell on it, you'll find like Gzip with set UID privileges for no reason. Just in some <laughs> it's like, um, yeah, it's like this one time I remember uh, this company was building this um, uh, PBX type system and they wanted a they wanted this like web interface and like I guess similar though they were their aim was similar to like Trixbox or Elastics or whatever it's called now. And um they just they they ran like I looked at it for about three seconds and they were running not only MySQL as root but also Apache. Now if you try if you try to start Apache as root it actually says like don't run Apache as root and exits. Mm-hmm. So like these guys went to some serious fucking effort to get, to get Apache to run as root, and like, I, uh, like I'll never they, know. They like patched that check. Like they had to, they had to comment that part out of the Apache source code so that they could run it. Yeah, as root. like what? Like what the fuck? Like it's just so much effort to get it wrong. It's like <laughs> you can only lead the sheep to the pasture. You can't make them make, make them run. Well, I think we overthink these things. Well, I mean, we all habitually overthink these things and make them a lot harder than they actually are and try to come up with convoluted reasons why some technical genius would make such a mistake, but it comes down to people are just <laughs> stupid, man. <laughs> yeah. even, the, even the smartest and the brightest. We all have moments, huh? We're all human. Um. Yeah, the uh, the next one that we have on here, um, interesting too. There is a Tor enabled SIM card, uh, Onion Three G. <laughs> Has anyone heard about this? Man. Yeah. This is ex- okay, this is exactly Tor- what. This, okay, I struggled with this concept like in my brain when I saw it. You're like Three G. Yeah, what this, year is it? <laughs> no, but like this is like exactly what what Faith was just saying about like you know, the smartest people can can fuck up so hard. You need to be pretty tricky like to, to understand the different components of the mobile network and or, like the cell network in order in order to create this uh, onion routed sim card but then you have to be an absolute idiot to have understood all that and then decide that an onion routed sim card is ever a good idea <laughs> like right the thing is that ip traffic on, on a 3g network ip traffic is like way past all the radio layers like you you get all the way into the network past like the radio network controller down to like the ggsn like the ip gateway and then you become ip traffic and that's you know <laughs> so the whole transport like on 3g before that it is still vulnerable to right. everything that it normally it might like as well every- be a, a, a 3g plus discord app device yeah like, what the, it's like what the hell those layers are so far removed from each other that you're just buzzwording at this point. And that's exactly what's yeah, happening. Exactly yeah, exactly buzzwording. 
Well, then, and you see this, you see this reference like halfway down. It's like, here's Pornhub's VPN because they don't farm anything over that. Like, what the fuck? It's it's just weird. It's very buzzwordy too, though. And it, like, yeah. I was talking to Rab earlier, and I was like, I, I really want to see like speed tests on this thing to begin with. <laughs> and determine well, I mean, like, how the how quick this actually work. is. Yeah. So I mean, my my thing that I've I've been wondering is like can you actually do any configuration on the sim card itself like would you be able to do that from the phone or would you be able to do that from some external tool like uh sim toolkit stuff to like configure like exit nodes and other settings like instead of just like oh trust our configuration trust our exit nodes trust everything how does the sim card connect from how does the sim card connect from the sim card to the nearest tower like that's that's your first problem the the, the whole thing is you're assuming that, like, in order for this to actually be anything that's not normal, they would have their own infrastructure, their own cell towers. Like, they definitely don't. Their own cell towers, right? Their own yeah, mesh they... cell towers? That's what they're implying, is they have some kind of onion-routed mesh cell global network of nanosatellites or something. That's the point. Maybe in the you future. caught doing anything over geolocation using anyone's cell towers, right? Like, there's no point to right. this. It's just garbage. Yeah. The, the MZ, yeah, just... the MZ or the IME, like if you if you pair an MZ and an IME, so you, you you connect to a network with a SIM card in the phone, that's paired. You take the SIM card out, you put another phone, uh, sorry, another SIM card in, and now those two SIM cards are uh, uh, are associated forever. Correlated. Like, yeah, correlated. There's, cor- there's correlation all the way through. So like now you've got like the hand- so then you put the SIM card in a different handset. Now those two handsets and the SIM cards. <laughs> All correlated, and you're like, "Oh, I got this 3G it's thing." Like, like, it's like you, it's like you got a stolen Windows laptop, laptop, and you log out from the existing Windows Live account and add a new one. You're like, "Hey, they'll never catch me." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Plus, like, like geolocation on a um, on a cell network as well is like API. It's like, "Hey, give me the, the give me the either the MZ, the IME, or the phone number, and we'll look it up right now, and it'll take like 12 seconds, less, two oh, yeah. seconds." Yeah, latitude, longitude by the decimal. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, this is this Twilio. is just. I mean, on Twilio, they display it in your dashboard. Yeah. So in short, uh, it's a great idea. Well, got a long way to go. go. Not at all. Well, it's a good idea for pretty much like brass boring communications to sell it, but besides that, no, just freaking snake oil. If I were in high school, I might have bought it. Say that. Yeah, I, I think this comes back to something um, that uh, that uh, Faith um, has brought up. I don't know a long time ago. It was like if if you just like ta- if you if you made like a, a Chinese router and you slapped Tor on it, like boom, it sells. Yep. Anonymous. Anonymous, well. right? Yeah. Like everyone wants. Oh uh, yeah, never gonna you, catch me now, I mean, Feds. Yeah, they're never yeah, gonna I'm, catch you now. It's it's stick, anonymous. Stick some references to like AI and blockchain on there, and you got to kill it. It's gonna sell a thousand. I don't know. So just just looking like, over it, like that reference to <laughs> Pornhub VPN, just kills everything. It's no longer <laughs> relevant. Good shit. Um, yo, so what about IBM buying um, Red Hat? Another thing from the run to the ground. What do you think happens to CentOS, though? Hey, hold on, come hold on, on, boys! Hold on, hold on. Just let's have a moment of silence for uh, open. Anyone here running AIX at all? Ever? 
No? No, like, ain't, whoa, 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 whoa. Maybe, maybe they'll kill okay. off System D, though. That's one good no, thing. No, they won't. They won't. They won't kill off System D because the guy, one of the guys that wrote System D, like, works it right. And, and this chain yeah. goes like this. Like, the guys who, when you, when people are developing at Red Hat, they're pushing code upstream into Fedora and CentOS. So they're not, so, like, it's not like everyone's going to switch to CentOS now because you might as well stay on RHEL or, like, everyone's blowing this up like that IBM are going to, like, fuck fuck up Red Hat and do all this stuff. What IBM yeah. are going to fuck up, in my opinion, is the cloud side of things that they've already fucked up. Like, if you look at Bluemix, you look at Bluemix that must have got bad feedback. Cool. Um, so, like, you look at their cloud. So, the, the part of the acquisition was around IBM lagging in the cloud space. And and they're talking about hybrid cloud, which a lot of people haven't heard before, which is basically just means some on-prem on hard, hardware and off-prem hardware that is managed as one. Um, and so, like, IBM are trying to catch up in the space, and, and Red Hat actually has, like, a lot of cloud when it comes to... Um, like OpenShift, OpenStack, whatever, they're really big contributions. Like if you break it down in a pie chart, I think it was something like high 20s or maybe into the 30% of OpenStack code was coming out of Red Hat, going upstream to open source. So yeah. from the day-to-day -day operations, will Red Hat be dead or will they like fuck all this stuff up just because they're owned by IBM? Like chances are not unless everybody leaves because they got bought out by IBM. Yeah, but if the they, same that, that is a big risk. There, yeah, it is it's definitely a risk. But when it comes to like um, in the, the cloud space, now IBM have Bluemix and they've now they've got OpenShift and now they've got like the other cloud providers, uh, other cloud offerings, like, and the, now they're all competing against each other, typically. And there's a huge chance to fuck that up. The one of the other last points I just wanted to make was that um, when the boss, if anybody read the leaked memo from um, uh, Ginny Romati or whatever her name is, um, when she was going to one of the offices, the, this memo, so there's, not to divulge too much, but there's a, a, a mailing list at Red Hat that you never read called memo list because um, it's just spam, basically, everyone's opinion. Lots of people like to read it. Good luck if you do. Sorry, but I don't like it. But um, if you uh, if you read memo list, um, like this is the kind of stuff that goes out and it's a lot of company culture stuff and stuff like that. And a lot of people really like it. It's actually, you know, there is a culture there, but if Jim was to come around, so Jim Whitehurst, it's not that big a deal. Like Jim is like a comp, like, you know, it's his, you know, he was a company dude. His company comes around in the offices or whatever. But this, this memo was basically like, Oh, when Jenny comes around, like you better not take a shit at the same time as her. Like don't touch anything in the office. Like, you have to throw out any old branded material and like people have just old like memorabilia on their desks and shit because they like the company, you know? And so it's a, this, this memo that went out was just like a huge, like IBM culture is now coming in. If Jenny's in coming in, you fucking don't fart around her. Like no selfies. Yeah. I wonder what's going to happen. Go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. All right. The... I don't know, like Kubernetes, OpenStack, everybody do different setup and still integrate the same system at the end. Like they're gonna use one or the other, but that's the same shit. They just do different setup. Pretty much. I always see IBM as being more interested in the Money. big multi-million dollar 
contracts to manage big infrastructure and like yeah queuing and batch processing for banks and all that kind of stuff so if you do software uh, software. i'm not really worried about yeah if you do a software and forget to copyright something ibm gonna steal it (laughs) for sure (laughs) no problem Well, yeah, yeah I, like, um, I don't know. I've also like pitched some stuff to IBM, and I remember I was talking to this like Bluemix engine, and um, you know, we this, this meeting had some dudes in suits and some not dudes in suits and engineers and everything, and I was, you know, this this Bluemix master, I was like comparing um, uh, this thing that I was working on with um, being like, oh, so how do, how does you know the integration between Bluemix and that works in, in like, you already to, like, got a couple of vulnerabilities if I'm right that got disclosed. Uh, let me check my job. Yeah, like, they just because they, they just, did like, want didn't them have any it. idea, right? Just like no idea. Hmm? IBM just like head in the sand, no. it'll leave you in the bubble. Well, well. Uh, one thing about uh, the whole IBM CEO note, we don't necessarily know if like that is how she acts. Is possible? It's just some like dumbass middle manager who's trying to like show up or like play up their position. You know, it could really just be like something that made them look bad. Not that I'm being paid by IBM or anything, but. I'm not, but well, yeah. I'm gonna say that the there's a budget in there's I know there's uh there's there's a thing there's a TV show internal to Red Hat that employees watch, and uh, I'm gonna say that IBM are gonna cut that. No <laughs> I'm more Red Hat guess. cult television. You guys have some kind of like cult <laughs> religious programming what? internally. Uh, well, I mean, I, like, I mean, I'm not gonna lie. I drank the Kool Aid and I enjoyed it. So whatever. <laughs> I haven't been there for a long time. So. Uh, I hope I hope you held on to those shares because <laughs> they're worth a lot of money all of a sudden. Wish I had some mm. red hat shares. I mean, I'd be selling them immediately for profit. I wouldn't be holding holding on to them now. That'd be crazy. But what are you doing with your stacks? Moving the fuck away. <laughs> I think I think we can end this subject now and just and just think like how much worse it could be if Oracle had a bought Red Hat rather than. Or, yeah, no, I was just gonna say, like, the question is, who is Oracle or Microsoft going to buy, like, to compete well, against uh, Debian, IBM? Debian, clearly, Debian. Oracle will buy Suze, and or, or, maybe they already did, and Microsoft will buy Debian. Yeah, if you look I at the Windows that, what's out, but it's didn't like, Windows and Canonical already like partner up on a lot of shit? Yeah, but yeah. Red Hat got ahead right now, like with Kubernetes and everything. Pretty much ahead, ahead. Microsoft, Microsoft's going pretty hard on the Docker GitHub side of things, so who knows? Yeah, Docker's is, but most of people include both in their settings, so that's true. That's true. Yo, so oh, Atmos, post it on Voices Voice channel um, for the podcast. Um, okay. yo, so the next story that we have here is uh, Girl Scouts got a I don't know it's just a funny thing, <laughs> not funny I, but I, was, I, yeah, I saw the little uh, little thing that happened. I guess um, the Girl Scouts supposedly had somebody who had access to some uh, data for like a day. So if you bought Girl Scout cookies, which I know a lot of people do, um, 
in California. And um, yeah, he might uh, have had some sort of uh, data compromised. But yeah, it's interesting though. This is like a little disorganization. I mean, it just, it affects everybody, you know, like these, these sort of things. Uh, and it sucks because, you know, you trust them. You trust the little uh, tiny human to give you cookies. Um, I mean, so, yeah. I've, um, I've, had a, I've had an argument in the street with uh, a, uh, a guy who wanted me to write down my credit card number for charity. I'm like, I'll give you five bucks for your fucking charity, dude, whatever. I'll give you $5 right now. And he's like, no, I, I need to take your credit card. And I was like, well, that's fucking crazy. And his argument what? was that no, no, charity, no charities have ever been hacked. He's like, nobody hacks charities because why would they? Good That's joke. Sick. And I was like, are you fucking serious? Like, do you think a Russian crime gang gives a shit about your fucking charity, bro? Save the fucking trees or whatever? Like the, the number one way to test whether a credit card has any value on it is Amnesty International. So That's a big problem. People are like, oh, I don't have anything valuable. It won't be hacked. Uh, oh, nobody gonna act a church. That's completely stupid. Like, Is I don't know why people think that. Johnny Long, I had charities. Yeah, it's meant yeah, to be yeah. ironic, I think. Like, uh, yeah, yeah, it is. It's a, it's like hacking charities for free. Like, and most of the time, those are linked to other company. I mean, yeah, yeah. exactly. Fine. I mean. That, that it's just it's just head in the sand stuff like if you've got an internet like, connection and some kind of processing power somebody wants to use it Doesn't yeah exactly and tools are automatic nowadays you think the the fucking tools are gonna say oh no it's charity no it's not written in the code like the mirai mirai robot is, has like a, a existential crisis it says i can't hurt these people they're nice people abort, they abort. make delicious cookies um but, but you know, one thing i would like huh? sorry oh i was just saying i would trade um security consulting services for cookies for sure so hit me up girl scouts of america um here yeah yeah <laughs> but i i just like that um possible data breaches now make the news like possible data breach like that's like you know what is a possible yeah. data breach oh we had this SQL injection. We actually don't know if anyone ever exploited it, but um, we're going to make a news article about it anyway. That's not some bad. Not a lot of companies have the resources to do the forensics to determine if like a data breach actually occurred. Sometimes they can only like detect the actual. Okay, I'm reading my mail. Basically, they got a problem with the VSI platform, and you could with their cloud IBM. You can exfiltrate all the data from their cloud. So yeah, I don't. I need to do research and find actual proof of concept for that. But yeah, they seem mm -hmm. to have a bad start. Yeah, I mean, there needs to be at least some sort of indicator, like a single indicator that goes, "Oh, you know what? People like like have hit these endpoints that repeatedly, like you know, one one sysadmin just checking something is like, I guess." Yeah, no, I mean, it, but it is it, it is interesting, though, to think from their perspective, if they did, let's say they got a ransomware and not um, had a data breach per se, but still like the actual, you know, the amount of stuff that they're doing online now with, I mean, how many, how many security people are, do you think work for um, Girl Scouts, right? And they're a national organization in America. Same with Boy Scouts. Yeah, so like, how many Girl Scout parents are security people? 
yeah and also i mean when they're when they're organizing data for people i mean there's so many like small grassroots organizations that are community organizations that are just run by you know family members and all sorts of people that you know they might have windows xp and a million toolbars who knows <laughs> but often you love but are built by people with like no experience i've seen uh one particular uh, cub scout unit or whatever they're called they just had some random guy build their website and they're posting like pictures of the kids on the trips on there behind a password protected vault but if you just click enter it would just go through even if you didn't have the password mm -hmm. he just didn't set it up in montreal like most of system we're still using windows xp like i did get the contract for the stm and couple things and dude in 2018 still using xp for like important stuff that was like really stupid at least they moved to open source which is way better yeah um yo actually uh we should get on we have a couple of things to do towards the end of the new segment so let's get into the next story real quick um huawei banned from the australian 5g network this is interesting yep <laughs> um yep so yeah, basically they've decided that they don't want any uh, interception of comms or anything that Hawaii has been accused of before, as well as ZTE, um, and they are banning them from their entire infrastructure um, in Australia. It seems like so. Yeah. 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 What do you guys in Australia see over there? Well, basically, but, like so, a lot of the news articles have said Hawaii, Hawaii. I can't even say their stupid name. Huawei. The, the handsets were Huawei. Cheap garbage. Um, yeah, the, the, their uh, handsets are banned from from the network, which is not true. It's the it's the infrastructure layer stuff, um, and you know this is pretty like we've sort of seen a big build up to this like slowly over time, where there's been a lot of speculation and um, stuff like that. Um, but they're claiming like so in, in rebuttal, they're saying like, well, you can analyze everything. Like here, have the have the schematics and source code. It's like yeah, but it's all like garbage and not correct and we can sit here and analyze your source forever, but your bug doors are like buried mad deep, you know, like, so it doesn't. Well, there was, there was some resistance for them to like, they had some kind of intellectual property delusion going on where they thought that their enterprise, enterprise grade Wi-Fi thing um, was somehow like a trade secret and that Australians would like, pull it apart, copy it, and then we'd use our own factories to make cheap Wi-Fi modems <clears throat> where they're getting this idea from. Um, yeah, like all that stuff's made in China, you fools. Like, like McDonald's <laughs> Corporation, McDonald's Corporation, we know every single molecule that goes into a cheeseburger. And at any time we want, we can go into any McDonald's kitchen, see exactly how it's made. We see the entire supply chain. We know every farmer that makes every component. And there's no secrets. There's some secrets that are trade secrets, like Big Mac special sauce, whatever. But scientists can reverse engineer it and figure it out it's just it's a it's a trade issue um yeah microsoft well, microsoft mcdonald's has no problem with transparency to operate business in this in this country to our to our health standards um every corporation should basically be the same if we want a device and your factory makes it we give you the schematics and the source code or you give it us the schematics and source code whatever but you're building problem for us and you yeah. don't have any IP at all. We don't give a shit about your IP. Uh, we want secure devices to our government standards. 
if you're providing these like black box devices with no, you can't have this firmware because you'll steal it and make your fuck off. Like this yeah, is national exactly security. That. That's what I was about to say. Like everybody's so scared to get their product still that they like when to do that. To open source format is much better because people can contribute, improve the code. But yeah. Plus, if I we want to steal like... your IP, we'll send a dude, an actual Chinese guy from China to work at your factory and steal all of it. Yeah, that's what they did here. here. Over here. If, if you it's, have it's bizarre. Like other, other infrastructure manufacturers, though, like take Ericsson, take, um, I don't know, like, uh, I can't even, like Alcatel or someone, like all these other companies that produce stuff, like are there more or less bugs in their software? Like there's probably like the same amount, like the, the chances of, so if we say we've put Alcatel shit everywhere, everywhere instead, is it going to get hacked just the same? Like most likely, is it going to probably be by China or Russia or whoever feels like attacking our nation? Like, yep, probably. Um, because gonna, there's no, the only difference here, like, is that it won't be like, they won't be embedding it in the network and then exfiltrating it with their already set up framework. Like if that was to be the case, like that's all they're prevented trying to prevent. They're not, like, there's no illusion that using a different provider is going to not get hacked. Well, there's other there's other aspects of this I can't go into because personally involved, but there's some equipment that was was looked at, um, and it was found to be mashed together with components that appear from other vendors and on weird forums and open sourcey stuff and uh it, it just looked yeah. kind of hodge, hodgepodge and if we can know, just you, abstract it if we can just abstract it for a second like if you've ever like if you've ever seen the qb boards or qb qb trucks they're like um all winner uh chips on a like a raspberry pi type thing um in the source code for like qb truck for qb board four i think it was i found mm-hmm. like a like a kernel module that had um like like sprintf like sprintf and then like pass the value to system and the string was like user control then it was like echo blah 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 and this is like kernel land code this is like should not be in like you don't like this is not the kind of this is not c that you have in like use like you have in kernel land code so when you see that in the other manufacturers like products and now you can if you can imagine now that you know type of bug like exploitable bug now yeah. existing in a more infrastructure place. If you found that, you just assume that it's put there on purpose because nobody can write code that bad. Like the, well, the, nobody, like it doesn't have a point. There's no point to that code being there other than it being a bug dog. Yeah, and there's an element of retail versus national security. So like your your Huawei Mate 20 Pro thousand dollar phone that you just bought from off the shelf, uh, the first time you connect that to the internet, it connects to something.huawei.cn and sends like an encrypted blob and gets a response back and but, nobody knows what that does that's wait, fine that for like uh... retail that's okay for retail um but like uh if, if we've got like a an infrastructure device that's like running in defense or something and it as soon as we turn it on it tries to make like a http connection back to china uh exactly you can't explain that away one plus exactly. one plus chinese phones exactly they, exactly what they did and like that's at the handset layer. So if you, if you buy one of those phones, that's your individual right. problem. But if you don't want that at a network layer, 
No, we don't. We don't. We don't want our uh, national security grade devices to be connecting back to China for any reason at any point without our permission. Like, why is that so hard to understand? Uh, apparently, it is. <laughs> so, so long, so sad. Banned. That, thumbs that down. Make, Goodbye. Does that make you wonder about trade laws, though? Import export business, as far as what regulations are given there, and what's we're, we're in a we're in a massive trade war right now, dude. There's all yeah. kinds of stuff going on that that is way above our pay grade, and this is just one yeah. factor of it. Like, um, to give you a, one than... quick example, like there's a whole state that is powered by green energy that is basically Chinese parent companies, and the power went out in the whole state for three days, mm -hmm. enough to make the steel go hard inside of a steel mill. So, I mean, like, take that what you want, but that's like, and, uh, you know, the replacement still came from China. Like, there's a lot of trade stuff with Australia and China that goes really there's, deep, uh, and it's very hard to understand. There's all kinds of, so, like, China, there's, like, economists, half half of the economists think that China is intentionally uh, deflating their currency against the U.S. in order to bypass Trump's, like, little 10% tariffs that he's putting on some gizmos. Um, so like, fuck it, we'll just make the one 10% weaker against the dollar and 10% tariff doesn't matter. Fuck you. So there's all kinds of stuff going on. And this is just like, this is the, the mainstream media get people angry story. Um, this is one of them. And so it's, it's best if we don't like, uh, read, read too much further into it than what we understand technically, because there's a, there's a political agenda here is what I'm getting at yeah. way bigger yeah. than, than us. Speaking of uh, the mainstream media and agendas and all that, the last story that we have on here, the last story on the list, uh, is Gab. Um, does anyone know what happened with them? They got taken off uh, after they like after yeah. the shooting that happened or something. Yeah, there was PayPal first. PayPal pulled them first, and then I think Azure pulled them. I'm not sure. It was. Or are they um, still up? I think Azure. They were on Azure like a while back. And then they got a new, they got kicked off like Azure a while back, and then they got kicked off their new host just a few days ago. Have uh, have GoDaddy or whoever their registrar put? I mean, they've still got a domain name, so they haven't been pulled. <laughs> yeah, I think the I don't know who their registrar is. It's really it's. I, I mean, it's been coming for a long time. Like this is just the. Um, this is just the, I don't want to say icing on the cake, that sounds positive. Uh, oh. This is just a horrible event that people can say, see, see, these all assholes are all over at Gab. Um, and they allow this shit. And they've been allowing it for a while. Um, I mean, but yeah. like free speech and hate speech are totally different things. Like, I don't know, I'm, I'm definitely not a social justice warrior. I'm like the fucking opposite end. I like, you know... You can't just like go hate, like just have a hate speech platform because that's essentially imagine, what your free speech platform will become, unfortunately. Uh, well, man, imagine if 4chan was around, like at the peak of 4chan slash B uh, craziness, if that was around right now, like they'd be, they'd be kicked off the internet for sure, just for existing. Because um, that 4chan originally, it, it kind of did and kind of has, but. They 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 diverted certain elements of their community away into other communities, and if Gab wants to exist as a platform, I don't think they've got a chance. But if they they want to exist in future, they're going to have to uh, play by the rules a little bit, I think, and well, publicly a, denounce. 
there's a large movement right now that um, of these people, right, who are being just platformed, building their own internet, so to speak. Um, yeah. And that's the that's the new big movement, right? Is to build your own shit so that you can't get kicked off. <laughs> and oh, Jin Yang makes the yeah. Um, yeah. And the, the host yeah, yeah. name was uh, Joyant from. Uh, oh, that's right, Joyant. So there are. There's lots of like we've got all the GNU social Macedon kind of stuff, and that's that's clear text, um, P2P mesh kind of social networking. And then there's all the blockchainy stuff, like the Steams and the. Uh, there's a bunch of other shit coins that are also Matrix social media stuff. platforms. That yeah, I mean you could you could tweet you could tweet in a smart contract. I could I could send a tweet out as an Ethereum TXID. No problem. I mean you can, um, you can put a you can do a Dan Kaminsky and put ASCII art in the block. You could put mm-hmm. you could put questionable pornography on the blockchain, um, and it's there forever on millions of computers. But so I think you're right that that this is. I mean, I, I don't understand why these guys like Gab.ai in particular weren't already on Onion, Dark Web, distributed some other kind of application entirely. Doesn't even use the HTTP; it uses some proprietary protocol. Um, maybe they're not that clever; and they're just kind of dumb. I don't know. Probably haven't even set up their own infrastructure at this point. Like, I don't think they're capable. I mean, who's the system administrator at Daily Stormer? Why is he an administrator and not an engineer? <laughs> but that's that's as good as they've got in that in the in that world. That's the top of the that's the cream of the crop is that guy. So yeah. it's not like it's not like they've got like armies of like engineers working on the latest greatest writing their own protocols and networks and shit also now that this is becoming like a thing right where people are getting displatformed and all this kind of stuff it's going to start being a thing though like people are going to start actually spinning up their own info now yeah because like it's it's just started happening you know recently in the past few months uh you know really really happening um so i think we will see a uh, we're in like the latency period between you know when the, uh, the ideation stage and the actual action stage between these people spinning up their own actual infra and uh then yeah i think if we if we meta if we if we meta that a little bit more we're, we're in this stage between like corporate walled garden internets like they use in china where you where you only have 10 apps and they do everything and they're all owned by the state and can't get to anything outside no Facebook, Google, none of that. Uh, so it's kind of like cable TV internet uh, and people will be happy. They'll get their phone. It'll have the 10 apps on it that they've been told that they need to use by the television and they don't know that anything else exists and they're quite happy to use that. And there'll be an underground of like fat guys with beards from the 90s and stuff that are like, no, we're keeping the internet alive. And yeah, we'll eventually for become, sure. We'll, be, we'll become like the ham radio creeps <laughs> doing our own thing while everybody else is just watching television um, but if it's used like DNS any firewalls we're still gonna put like blogs and things to explain people how to bypass any fucking security that's the problem even if they, if they try to implement that like China already did it so people are aware how to bypass such a very small percentage of the Chinese population are aware and even have the balls to try to bypass it. Really? Um, um, 
Yeah. Yeah. Man. Yeah. I th- the other thing oh, as well is like, I mean, there's projects like um the Adonet as well. Like, has anyone ever looked at the Adonet? No. And you could basically buy what's called a Dreamcatcher, and um, they're they're no longer using them because they moved to mm. a different band. But it's basically a system on a chip Linux box with a um, SDR um, built onto the board, and then you you buy the antenna and you point it at the right spot, and you can get onto a network called the Outernet. And um, it, not much traffic was moving through it, and it wasn't a huge like. But it's, it's basically satellite, <sighs> open internet kind of thing um, that you could that anyone could sort of join if you buy this. Or you could build the hardware yourself. Was it more convenient to buy it? Um, but yeah, like there's there's projects like that going on that sort of you can look at and use that is like totally not using the infrastructure of your country or whatever. An interesting time. <laughs> um, you know, so the last uh, little news item is not in the notes, but I really wanted to uh, discuss real quick is this whole uh, Robert Mueller thing with Jacob Wall. <laughs> it's like shit show of uh, obstacle calls and just the harebrained schemes. Uh, so if anybody hasn't read about it yet, Errol, here, I'll post it uh, in the chat. Basically, somebody here has been, somebody, a couple people have been trying to figure out a way to frame Robert Mueller for sexual assault. Um, like, actually frame him, not finding people who actually were sexually assaulted in some way, but literally creating a fake intelligence company uh, with a whole bunch of fake people, fake headshots of like actors, uh, fake LinkedIn company. Like, where did you post this? Uh, I just posted it in the stream chat, but I'll post it in Voices Voice as well. So yeah, this stuff. This is like this reminds me literally of that Todd and Claire thing that Hillary Clinton did to Julian Assange, where they made a whole fake dating site to say that he used the dating site to groom wow. a young girl while she was somehow on vacation in Bermuda, and everything was like completely fake. But yeah, so these people were trying to, uh, they, they put together all these different investigations, these like phony investigations saying that Robert Mueller had, you know, convinced some girl to come to his apartment and like, you know, assaulted her. But yeah. it's literally like the most fake operation. Huh? Do you think this is just, this is just amateurs on a, on a, on a chain somewhere decided to do this? Or do you think this is no, like an so, intelligence no. operation? It's not an intelligence operation. It's literally people who just are Trump supporters who want to smear Robert Mueller and his investigation against him and discredit him. And so there's like this kid Uh, who's supposedly a financier, uh, Jacob Wall, who's 20 years old, says he's a financier, although I don't know how you could have made enough money to finance anything at 20. But um, Uh, he... I mean, I know a all I can days, really but... say, all I can really say is, um, there's there's been there's been operations where uh, where people have infiltrated hacker groups and then encouraged those <clears throat> hacker groups to go and commit pretty serious crimes. And it turns out that the person running the thing the whole time was intelligence operation. Yeah. So this so, though, yeah. this, isn't, this isn't a hacker. This isn't anybody who knows anything about computers because he literally like reused like a Google like app developer ID. Uh, his DNS entries pointed directly at his uh, his other server, um, his other stuff that he was claiming he had nothing to do with this intelligence company, but he literally his DNS entries like were pointing like others like alternative records that were pointing at his personal website. Like literally, oh. just it's like the most like face palming. Like if you, if you read the story and people's been saying on Twitter, it's literally the most face palming shit I've ever seen. And the best part, yeah, the best part is that his company phone number pointed to his mom's voicemail. 
Oh shit! Nice. Yeah, I mean, phone burner thing I've ever seen. Like, I don't know. It's just it's it's really funny when you see that, and he's still on Twitter now trying to defend himself and saying that it's like a huge like hit piece against him, but like literally like. I don't know. Like it just—it's funny to see when people who don't know anything about computers and try to do sketchy stuff online get caught by people who know what they're talking about, and then they just try to say, "Oh, you're just trying to like frame me or something," you know? Like it's literally like, "No, dude, DNS records are public. Like we know. Like we know yeah, what's going on." Everything in DNS is plain text. Except for he's trying. All right. Here, here's the thing, though. So. Imagine how absolutely ridiculous it would be is if it if it came out that somebody hacked this guy and then started doing all this shit and he like yep. truly believed it. So like imagine how like actually insane it would be that like you know everybody's saying like oh you're an idiot and you did this. Yeah, but, but like there there's that trace. small there's that small possibility like obviously it's probably not this guy's probably actually like cream of the crop idiot but you know what I'm saying? Imagine Go. how absolutely That's a very insane. Good point. You're, saying, you're saying sorry, That's I was hacked in, in relation to I started a shell company to take down. No, 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 no. That's a good point, but there will be missing things, logs that will be touched or something, date that will be changed or DNS. I mean, even if someone got axed, there's trace that that being left over or logs that being changed, date different. Like, there's a way to tell it. That's true. If there was a serious investigation, if the actual, you know, the FBI were going through this guy's computers with, with end case and stuff, then yeah, there would be yeah, serious I mean, evidence. But this, is, this seems to be court of public opinion stuff. So that makes me very suspicious. If it was an op, say it's an op, and that they've just used this guy as the scapegoat and he's going to be the guy that goes to jail. And they they owned him and they set it all up, made him look like a retard. Uh, wouldn't they just like ignore like the, the entire investigation would also be part of the op like that? Just, but yeah. I don't think it is. It's, I'm just I'm just saying that for the sake of argument. Like I I think this guy's an idiot. And that's yeah, yeah. So I, I I think it's it's very similar to the thing with Julian Assange. I was saying before, like it's literally for political motives. It's it's before the uh, midterm elections, and they're doing yeah. this because they, it's a convenient way to say, oh look, Robert Mueller is a sham. Everything about the Democrats is uh, you know wrong and bad, and you should vote Republican. Like it's literally like that. Like they were trying. They're the things that they've accused other people of doing. They're doing it themselves. Um, but just by the sloppiest people who don't know what the hell they're doing, they just have a lot of money and say, oh, we can just buy all this infrastructure. Like, who knows if we can set it up or not, <laughs> but, you know. These are these are the a, kind of guys who hire people off Fiverr to set up their servers. <laughs> yeah. Never, I mean, never underestimate how, uh, how a, a guy with like ten or $20,000 can easily um, influence uh, a vulnerable person. Um, especially oh, yeah. if they have some kind of skill, we've seen it in our chats and stuff before. We've seen people, we've seen people come and go, go to jail because someone was in their ear, some snake was in their ear, offering them gold coins if they do this, and and they do it. So, yeah, but it's gold coins. I mean, come on. <laughs> uh, what sounds what sounds ridiculous to you know. $20,000, if, if I offered you $20,000 to lie about your boss raping you, would you you'd just think, what the fuck? What kind of insane shit is that? 
go to jail for 10 years for $20,000 for your agenda? What the fuck? No way. But yeah, I mean, that's, that's what they were trying to do, though. Uh, they were trying to pay people in, um, money to um, save it. They what were I'm getting at is there's that there may be another guy with money behind all of this who's started the dominoes falling. We don't even yeah. know his name. And, and he could be delusional as well. Um, <laughs> look, look at the guys that come in our chats that want to buy like, you know, want to buy like a zero day so they can hack a million bots and they've got $150 to spend. Or they oh, are the founder uh, of Anonymous. Uh, so <laughs> we should get that into that. Oh, shit. No, we're not talking about that. But <laughs> it's probably the leader. No, no, no. Uh, right. So, um, Zuff, Zuff, uh, before we get into our uh, topic of the week, I wanted to give you a little bit of time to talk about your new framework that you've been hyping and developing that looks dope as hell. Yeah. Um, there's nothing really like it, and I think it's going to help out a lot of OSCP people. So I've been doing something around enumeration and full stack of windows, uh, specifically targeting every layer I can possibly think of for input, output, um, changing values. Also targeting like IP and DNS entries when and where I can. The ultimate goal I think is gonna be to have this capable to pull all kinds of domain information as well as be a remote tool. Um, I haven't put that much thought into it Per se, mm -hmm. it's about 400 lines so far, and it's all written in PowerShell. So I'm targeting things like registry, services, processes, um, as much info as I can. Um, the genuine idea is just it's built to be something very simple that people can just literally run in PowerShell. And then inputs and outputs are all within the console. I'm also going to do like log wipes when I'm done. Um, but some of the stuff, for instance, like network info, full network info on current connections, I have like listening. TCP ports, I have NS lookups. So if you're on a domain machine, you can look up um, internal domain addresses. You can do um, listing of network devices on the domain with IP and DNS, of course. You should you think do. about DNS history, the change that being made to the DNS and everything. Yeah. But... So this is a post-exploitation info gathering? Yeah. Is that the idea? Yeah. Um, yeah, I have like, no, I'm, okay, yeah, I'm still talking, so I figured let me just go Sorry. through it quick. It's okay. I just kind of want to because I'm going to ramble about it and then you guys can ask me questions. Um, <laughs> but it's going to list uh, fully qualified domain devices, meaning you could dump like everything that's within um, an internal domain network. You can do FQ, DNs, you can dump DNS zone records. Um, you can get map drives and that'll output to local as well as network maps and where they're coming from over UNC paths. Um, DNS caches of hosts, you can do Windows firewall outputs, process IDs with uh, the ID, user pass, status, timestamps, scheduled tasks as well, uh, start and stops with uh, process ID. I'm also going to add creation because I think that'd be something awesome. People could just create their own tasks from within the script. Uh, registry outputs and policies, uh, including like RDP, firewall, putty keys. You could do Windows policy applied, and that's for both local and group policy. Um, you can do Windows update checks um, and services. That's all I kind of like wanted to give here. I've been writing this for a while and I have quite a bit of time into it. So you can do like yeah, update I mean, checks for cumulative yeah. updates and then search by KB values as well to see if those are installed. God damn. That's, so yeah, that's, very, that's quite a bit. It's a very robust uh, framework that you have. But we, you know, when we talked to you um, in a couple episodes ago about, um, you know, Microsoft uh, Windows environments and things, you, you know, 
you have come at it from the blue blue team perspective on this. Um, and so when you're when you're coming at this, you know you're understanding, I guess, what you're defending against, what specific little tricks that you know people use for enumerating system information and privilege escalation. And so it's cool to see that coming from your blue team background as a red team tool. Yeah, I mean, I just, uh, this is everything that I kind of think about. So if I'm giving you guys something like this, it's kind of like, where where would I investigate something? And yeah, I've been in defense for like a decade. So for me to do something like this and just, I mean, give back to people who like want to do red teaming and give them something that's easy to use and what to look for and have it all output within the same console. So the way that I've like designed this is um, it's a full menu and then I have sub menus for pretty much everything on a layer level. Um, and then you're able to basically run the script once you can run all the commands within it and then you can enter back to get back to the main menu should you want to run something else i also want to write outputs around it too or maybe even just do an offset to output the logging and commands you run into a um, some kind of report be the ultimate goal oh yeah very cool um that's really cool so yeah definitely um interested in checking this out uh when are you planning on um doing your first release for it I'm hoping to have this out on Thursday. I've got about, like I was saying, like 400 lines. And I think by the time I've done, I've, I've written a lot of one-off scripts, but I'm trying to write them as functions. So it'll probably be, I'm guessing, around 800 lines total, which will still be a very small file, but it should be something awesome. I hope people use it and fork it and write their own stuff. And if they want me to build functions into it, please do pitch them to me so I can yeah, do so beforehand. Sure. That's really You're, cool. Um, Zuff's off at GitHub, right? Yeah. Please do. From the um, from the blue team perspective, the last thing you mentioned there about identifying um, missing KBs and updates. Right. That's uh, that's a. Uh, I get asked that question a lot by administrators in large Windows networks. Um, how do how would I recommend going about doing that? Because nine times out of ten. Uh, network due to um, missing update on some legacy box that they had no had no oversight of. They had no it's, idea it was missing this update. They didn't. They don't know how to find out. Yeah, and that's um, a weird thing because like I run I run inventory tools that let me do like custom SQL queries. So I have things that I'll scan things on a full network, and then I just basically do custom SQL and output reports as to what hasn't been installed where, and then I dig into that and figure out why. But this is going to be something. Totally different. It's I think old. that if you run this with a variable and you were like to target computer names within a list, it'd be really easy to output into a report. I'm just doing this basically because I think more people should actively be looking at PowerShell as a language, especially with things like WSL now. Yeah, but PowerShell still have shitload of problem. Like if I had a Windows computer, I will try to get rid of PowerShell for real. <laughs> right. Wow. If you're managing a Windows domain, you may have a different opinion on that because it makes yeah. life a hell of a lot easier than a lot of those. Yeah, I know for work, it speed, it speed everything up. It's really a great tool. I never said it was bad. It just, there's a lot of problem. I'm too paranoid for that and biased against Microsoft <laughs> yeah. product. It's a real, it's a real nightmare to manage PowerShell, PowerShell security in a big corporate domain because you can't just turn it off because so much shit actually uses it. Your antivirus uses it. Your admins use it. Uh, yeah, you're going to uh, fuck up. Anatomative. 
almost impossible to, to manage through group policy as well and say, well, these commandlets are okay, but these ones are not, and you can only run it from this folder. And it, it's a nightmare to manage. Well, so. Yeah, and with CI/CD <laughs> systems, that's something that you'll find is as sickening as it is, something that's enabled more times than not, especially yeah, even on like, stuff that's private or publicly available. A lot of people, I think, seem to go for the uh, let's monitor usage of PowerShell and alert to usage of PowerShell rather than restrict it because we can't. So we just have to add an extra layer of monitoring. It's good yeah. for hackers, though. It's fantastic for hackers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. It's awesome. I mean, oh, yeah. it's, be it's better, better than WScript, um, which was awesome as well, <laughs> and it's still awesome. Yeah, I'm uh, also building than... like... Sorry, go ahead. No, that's it. <laughs> Go ahead. I was going to say, I've also got like C-sharp ties to do certain things. Like um, today I was writing stuff on screen capturing and I was doing SSID cred dumps so that you, you know, target machines with DNS and IP and then you can actually put out um, last found connections or whatever is actually stored there in plain text so you can actually read it. Getting, nice. a little, getting a little bit red teamy there. If you go too far <laughs> yeah. in the red teamy direction, then suddenly huh. we uh, signature pops up at Symantec or something, and your little PowerShell script gets flagged as malicious or a potentially unwanted PowerShell. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. I'm interested to see if I release something like this, how long it takes or what happens with it. Um, this would be like the first time I've done something on this level. I mean, Like PowerShell, PowerShell Empire? You know that, that, that yeah, yeah. sweet PowerShell Empire power? Like only certain components of that get flagged as malicious, and it's generally the ones relating to privilege escalation or pass the hash. Um, everything else is fine, like any kind of getting information from the registry or even from you know, WMIC, whatever, that's fine. But uh, privilege escalation and um, hash so passing, was, that's dodgy. Yeah, I was looking at Privesk and including some stuff there, but I don't know that I actually will. I think this will be more of an enumeration tool than anything the, because of that. The Mimikatz um, stuff is a bit tricky as well. They flag on that a lot. So, but still, even any, if you any are, if it is post exploitation stuff anyway, and you're just enumerating domain stuff, maybe you've already got DA and you just want to do stuff. Yeah, it's true. Just stupid that it's less like you can literally input like ENT PTR change anything with the PowerShell. That's just stupid. They should restrict some some stuff. Well, it's yeah. it's um it's very eye opening when you start um you start querying large corporate Windows domains with with tools like this. Yeah, and I think from an auditing perspective, it's going to be fucking genius for people. You, you can create hard link, and it's going to fuck up everything. But yeah, I create, you're creating a lot of work for the blue team. That's what you're doing. But oh, the wait, they shouldn't oh, be wait. there in the first place if they're fucking up, right? Uh, I mean, true. it's yeah. a circle. It's a circle. <laughs> Did you see what um what Ill Will just said in chat? I didn't. I'm not actually watching. Sorry. Oh, okay. He just said um. Blue teamers, as far as I know, the only way to avoid memory scraping of passwords with Mimikatz from a logged in domain admin, etc., on a machine is to totally shut down the machine, not just log off or reboot, correct? Um, correct me if I was wrong. It is, that was his question for this. No, he's I, right. I, I, you I will have it. You also, have an active you need network to check connection. if there's H key. You need to go in safe mode and check if there's H key that's not going to like just restart it. I mean, there's ten, there's tons of ways you can break that down. So 
it's it's that's yeah, weird to there's me always like ways five different angles as far as how you could stop it but yeah shutting it down would definitely be the most the, the quickest pretty, pretty much efficient. If it if it has been connected to the network and it's still powered up, then somewhere in memory is credentials, and there's yep. nothing you can do about it. So, yeah, because you you can if I remember, you just can do like dash w iden, <laughs> and like if he doesn't reboot, you won't be able to see the process mm. of any PowerShell script. Anyway, um, that sounds awesome, Zoff. You're a, you're a job creator because you're creating lots of jobs for blue teamers. Lots of oh. open ticket. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. that's what it is. Prepare your Jira boards. All right, yo, let's get into our actual topic of the week, um, which is hacker aesthetics. So this is a pretty wide topic. And so I wanted to kind of do it the way we did it before when we started Thug Crowd, um, which was just riff on an actual topic and share information and just talk about stuff. So we don't have to have any uh, guests. We don't have anything. We're all just here to, so anybody who is listening in, in our um, in our chat and wants to come talk to, um, I can give you some permissions to come and chat if you have something to say. Otherwise, uh, in Discord, we're in voiceless voice, or you can spam and uh, share your setup as well. Um, so yeah, I guess when it comes to this sort of thing, we had been discussing this a little bit um, with, and started, I think we had a, a chat in Discord at some point. And then I was also talking with uh, Zero, who designed the uh, logo for the show notes this week. And we talked extensively about uh, like, you know, ricing and dot files and all these sort of really special configs that, that um, you know, kind of hold dear when you write a perfect one, um, as well as just in general, the your your own setup for your your workstation things like that and so i kind of want to just discuss with you guys like what sort of things you prefer i guess balaclavas balaclavas yeah, yeah. <laughs> i'm pretty I mean, shameless anime boobs yeah yeah that's kind of green movie. green fox outfit <laughs> <laughs> that's a dog asshole oh sorry <laughs> Fighting words. Yeah, I've right seen a dog. I've seen a dog Jesus. Yeah, I don't know. I'll <laughs> <laughs> that. Not, not up to date on my my different youth categories. I don't really know what's PC take, in that world. Take that for five hundred there. So, uh, um, I mean, so most people here, I guess, like uh, are running mixed desktops. I mean, I see most people's main desktops here, from what I know, anyway. So like let's let's start off with like uh like desktop stuff. Okay. Um desktop. Mm. I love open like, box. What else? Open box is easy to configure. Yeah, open box is nice. Open box box box, although it's very minimal and nice. Yeah, exactly. When when you can like nowadays I think system D is a huge problem. The init, which most fucking like GNOME and everything relies on it, it's just a problem. Like uh, open box and everything is much better. It's lightweight. I don't know what to uh, say. <laughs> Did I change every every fucking month of desktop and I try new shit. Yeah, I mean that's that's a really uh, uh, that's a really cool thing that I think is is good about both Linux as well as just people who are in this sort of 
community because people are always sharing the different things that they use. People see different, you know, you see a, someone shares a screenshot of a code snippet because you're trying to help them with a problem and you say, that's a really cool window manager you have, or that's an awesome font. Like, you know, what is that? You know, and being able to share that, try stuff out and people are excited to share their setups with you. You know, I think it's yeah. really cool that, you know, we are all here to, to learn that kind of stuff from each other and trade info. You know, we like to we like to make fun like the the word rice even is kind of a slur, right? It's like we're we're making fun of people that focus too much on on looks rather than performance or whatever. But that's that's the nerd nerd part of our brain, like the scientist part of our brain, and we have to remember that hacking is an art as much as it is a science. So we have to encourage the, the artistic side as well. Yeah, um, I think that what, like really, literally the one of the one of the things that like I've I've always thought about with with this when when people have doubt try to downplay or say that like you only like script kiddies will do you know write single on their Cali Linux yeah. VM or whatever. But I mean, if you are somebody who like values you know precision and performance in your workspace, you're going to be somebody who's going to have a hotkey to open up your terminal and a hotkey yeah, to yeah. open up you know your you're the type of person who love eTree, right? Yeah. I mean, this there's, there's... into an, an Emacs versus VI argument very quickly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, regardless of what you use, though, I mean, if you if you can, whatever tools that you are using to make you yourself better at what you are trying to do, which yeah. is, you know, if writing is, code, yeah. you know, whatever, like, if you, you, you have to be able to create a, an environment that is your own. And I think that's one of the most important things in, in life, but I think it's, it's really important, especially in this field where, you know, you can, there's a huge difference between writing code in a really, really nice looking, you know, text editor with a really nice color scheme that you made all your favorite colors than it is writing in notepad.exe, you know, or You're just right. like, so like, there or is. Vim with no colors or anything, you know? So like, cause I mean, it's just, it's a matter of your preferences for your readability. There are some people that, that, that like if if your uh, if your aesthetic is you like green screen text with you know real super minimal so it looks like nineteen eighties hacker style if that's what mm -hmm. makes you feel more creative um, mm -hmm. you should go with that and that Absolutely. that's yeah. fine. <laughs> and that's fuck why everyone else. it's fun to carry like your dot file and basically you get your setup everywhere you go and yeah. You can if go I, a little bit too far in that direction and become like Terry Davis and start writing your own OS and everything and insist that everybody use these Commodore 64. CI in niggers. Exactly. That's, if you go well. too far down that path, that's what happens. If I remember correctly, yeah. I think Decoded has a really dope setup. I don't know if he's... Yeah. Every time he posts a screenshot, I'm like, damn, that fucking looks cool as shit. Yep. And that's the I mean, thing is like pretty simple stuff. Yeah. Right. I mean it, it's it's more about just being able to um you know find the aesthetic that you like. And I think that's that's the hard part for a lot of people is that they try to try things out. And I mean some people have different tastes and different, you know, sort of moods that they're in for an extended period of time. So they want, you know, everything to be black or everything to be pastel or everything to be whatever for a given period of time. But it's I think preferences. That, uh, yeah, um, no, definitely. But it, it's it's hard to find the things that you like, though. Sometimes it's it's frustrating because I write like I uh, you know my own uh, um, you know Sublime Text themes and Vim themes and, mm -hmm. and things like that, and like uh, you know writing all those kind of things like 
from from scratch because you want to try them out and do you know math on the different color differences and what are complementary colors and things like that like those kind of things are like I don't know they they make you think more critically of how things interrelate with each other too and so I think that it's it's useful to try to find your what works for you because in the process of you trying to do that you will learn a shitload about how computers actually work especially the proof of concept or get the fuck out zine, right? Um, I hope mm-hmm. you guys have all read that. It's very important. Uh, if you look at the aesthetics of the way that's put together, forget all the polyglot embedded <laughs> executables and stuff that they smuggle in there. Um, Travis has put a lot of effort into learning typesetting and latex and other old school book oh, producing yeah. stuff. And as a result, he knows far more about <laughs> vulnerabilities in latex than probably anyone on the planet. Um, <laughs> through the act of creating a, a, a zine, a hacker zine that looks like an old school religious book. Um, yeah, yeah. So he's, he's had mean, to d- dive yeah. deep into things that he probably normally would have had no exposure to at all because he's yeah, busy That's the thing. Nowadays, people focus on eye level, but in reality, there's still old as bug that you, if you just up- obfuscate, change a little bit, that will still work. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's yeah. very important to remember with like window managers and stuff like that as well. Like we we're talking about that, um, like it's about your efficiency as well, right? So like when you mm-hmm. have, do you remember when Adobe first made like Photoshop gray on like every OS? And I was like, whoa, the Photoshop UI is like out of my fucking way and I can just work on what I'm working on. And now like OSX, the latest update, mm-hmm. everything is fucking black on that now. I mean, like I've done that to my Linux desktops for I don't even know how long. Like, it's just kind of like, I want a computer that will get out of my way and let me do computing as well. You know? Yeah. Yeah. You can, no, I mean, that, that's uh, a Windows huge thing. Windows, Windows, yeah. Windows, you can, uh, well, I know Windows. You can Windows. Set, you can set, I think, all of the system apps to be black now instead of white. They have, like, an actual night mode. Yeah, there's, yeah, a, there's yeah, a, but that's still colors. Like Windows doesn't let you. Let's say I have Eyes WM on my desktop. I can right click and just change back to Open Box. I can do a lot of shit just with a right click and adapt my my DE to to my workflow. Which Windows you, you gotta like? If you wanna go in setting, tell me how many tabs that you have to navigate to to your fucking menu to go there. I, t- I just press control S and my setting pop up. Mm, it is possible. You just have to dive a little deep. You can boot headless to Sigwin and run IceWM on Windows 10. Yeah, Sigwin, Sig- again, like, tell me how many program gonna work well on that shit. Yeah, so well, Enlightenment Window that- Manager will work well. It's possible. I mean, like, it's possible. When, it, when it comes to a machine, like when it comes to a setup, like I want to be able to have my desktop like break, like I fuck it up, like I say RMRF slack, like no preserve root, and then I go, oh fuck, it's broken. And I want like under half an hour, I want to be exactly back to where I was. And it'd also be late as well. I don't want to, like, you know, I don't in want the, to be in some like fucking default UI. Well, in the Linux world, like we're used to well, depending on how old you are, <laughs> you'd boot up into like command line and then you'd have to start X Windows and it was a whole separate thing. Um, and if you yeah. take down the window manager, that doesn't take down the whole operating system. It's just an application. Like you can always well, jump Well, if out you delete everything, there, right? 
you need to if you reboot you're fucked up but if you keep it you're probably able to recover your dot file from the memory so if you take down windows like if you take down explorer.exe you can't just drop back to command prompt and like oh i'll yeah. fix it up it'll be fine or like set the uh, run level or something to a degree you can do that on OS X, i guess you can boot to like recovery or whatever they call it and drop to a root shell and fix things at a low level yeah, you can a, kind of do oh, it on yeah. windows it's oh, yeah. a POSIX based system. I mean, every POSIX system gonna do that, but Windows, you're gonna have problem. Well, Android as well, and a bunch of other shit. It's a lot of a lot of operating yeah, systems. Uh, it depends. If you if you keep your stock firmware, this is a good example. If you keep the the stock firmware and everything, you doesn't root your device. Yeah, but but if you did root your device, get your own kernel and everything on Android, you you're not gonna have this problem. That's true. You, that's true. But that's like point zero zero five percent of users can are capable of doing that. So they don't sort of cater I for used, those people. Uh, I I used to do that all the time until it started creating problems because of safety net. Oh no, that's yeah. because you probably use like automatic root things or you don't know how to set up your setting. People who root their device, they should know that if you don't sicker and you're not aware of of security problem, you doesn't remove the right permission after you're done on the roots. You're gonna put your cell phone at risk. Well, better remember, there's yeah. people listening, likely listening to this podcast, that have never used Windows, and that all of their exposure to hacking is some fifty dollar Android phone with a, a keyboard attached, uh, running terminal. I mean, like, I, I'm actually of the opinion, like, I don't root my phones because. I like I don't jailbreak for the fact of like I prefer to just rely on the vendor security in those cases. Um, even though I could mm. get this or that Three extra bonus thing, like I'm helping some. Just... I'm helping yeah. right now. I'm I'm pen testing a glass room. I, I don't know if you ever heard about it to release like an Ardenet or Android and everything. But yeah, that, that's pretty neat. I, I don't know any fucking Android, and even if you keep the stock firmware, that's gonna protect against memory execution and everything. Well, uh, Copperhead OS and Blackphone are doing it, but they all go down. Yeah, they try. Yeah, to Blackphone, but God bless the them. price. Yeah, <laughs> that's what you're paying for. It's um, <laughs> the price is fucked up. Yeah, but Blackphone this one. That, um, Let's just remember there was a Azimuth blog post about owning Black Phone that was up for about three days before it got taken down. So I mean, I don't trust Black Phones either. What's what were you paying? Uh, honestly, I don't trust anything that I don't have control over that I can't mess up by my own. Read the code. Uh, yeah, we can go yeah. back to the whole. <laughs> do you write your own compiler argument? But what this discussion yeah, is like about GCC like... bug last week. <laughs> this is about this is about arts and aesthetics, I think, rather than yeah, yeah. for real. So, I mean, I think though that sorry, I'm out. No huh? um, what you're saying is like, though I think one of the roots of backer aesthetic and what we do for customizing and stuff is because is having control over things. Yeah, so you want to be able to change the color or the font that's in the URL bar on your you know browser for whatever reason it doesn't matter what it is you want to be able to do that because you yeah, know and... that you can program that 
and that somebody wrote this software. And so there's some configuration somewhere that you can change. Exactly. And be able to speed up my workflow. There's, there's the, um, there's the artistic aspect. I, I had a, I had a, a partner that was an architect at one point and she was very scientific and mathematical being an architect, but also artistic at the same time, because that's what architects do. And she put all of this dumb artwork and plants and shit in our apartment. And I had to pay for it. And I was very unhappy about that and said, why do we need all these trinkets and shit around? I like minimal. I like clean. And she said, I think more creatively when I'm surrounded by pretty things. When I wake up in the morning, I see that, that plant over there and I see that red thing over there and it makes the whole place seem sunny and it puts me in a good mood and then I get more creative and I get more better at my That's a good point. That's a good point. If you, yeah. I, I realize that people sometimes, like I had a friend, Ecoline, when he put dark color on, a, on his de desktop, he gets paranoid. He gets non-creative and he's surrounding himself in depression if you use dark color on his well, desktop. Color, yeah. color is like there are moods to each color. It's like oh, a of color. course, yeah. blue color gonna keep you awake. Everything yeah, yeah. that's a fecus. Absolutely. Right, we should we should all should have flux or or something like on our devices to reduce blue I, light at night time. We know that I, run, I would say I run all the time. Like I have I have the yellow on this like a constant yellow all the time. Yeah. And it, I feel like since the amount of time when I wasn't working, I was on the PC, I feel like I saved myself a lot of headache and a lot of uh Yeah. Like there's, I a, even... there's a lot of research into the um into the, the color schemes that like fast food restaurants and stuff use uh in order to encourage hurriedness and hunger and, and satisfaction and all those kind of things. What um, about it like nighttime? Do you guys feel like the internet is asleep at nighttime and that's when you can like, you know, you can function in the because there's yeah. less you know, you've got more direct focus on the monitors in front of you rather than like the world around you. Less outside world concerns. Less likely to get a call from a telemarketer at one in the morning. So yeah, well, we're talking know, about the, dark the internet's though. asleep. How the admin while they're asleep, even though they're on the other side of the world. Like <laughs> business hours somewhere. Um, but for for you talking about darkness, out. So, like physical physical darkness. That's the other thing that I would definitely we can get into as well is is like battle stations and workstation setup. And so people, you know, have some pretty insane setups, and that's actually what most of you had shared was your actual physical setup. Which I'll I was gonna do a slideshow. I deleted the source, so let me grab it real quick. But um, yeah, basically, I think that being able to have a good physical space to be able to do computing is one of the things that people just overlook a lot with, especially with like the open office spaces and stuff, which is a whole other debate. But um, being able to have a place where you can go to where you can actually sit, feel creative in a comfortable chair, you're not squatting over. A, you know, tiny little stool with, you know, a keyboard that's super close to you and, you know, like having yeah. a comfortable space that works for you is definitely... And that you really don't good. sleep in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it's not too comfy, but it's definitely work. To go back, um, to, uh, something you raised before you that I thought was pretty interesting about um, <sighs> con like constantly tweaking and changing things and sort of looking for the next 
thing. Like just keep changing your window manager, keep changing your fonts, everything. Like not never stops, never satisfied. I, I noticed that as some people do that, like they're 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 uh they're more comfortable changing all the time. Like they very quickly stagnate on color schemes or any aspect of aesthetics. Their aesthetic is constantly changing. Other people find sort of like comfort in the familiar. And so they, they want to make sure the icons are always in the same spot. Their desk is always exactly the same way. The picture of their kids is always in this position. Um, and if anything's ever out of sorts, it causes them stress. But there's people that are on the other side. I'm, I'm on the other side. I'll come into work and I'm like, this is the exact, my chair's in the same spot it was yesterday. And it's the same chair. Throw it out the window. Get a new one. Um, yeah, dude. I'm constantly exactly. changing. And I get, I get, depressed when i see the same window manager over and over again yeah, uh, yeah that's why so, i um, said that i change my desktop like every maybe months or even more i don't know yeah. why it's just a habit sometimes i'm like uh fuck off i'm bored of that i'm gonna install a new os just to maybe, try it uh, and some people wear the same, like have like Zuckerberg, whatever. They wear the exact same thing every day for the rest of their lives. No, they don't I just keep it. my USR partition and everything, my software. I change my OS and yeah, I change my desktop maybe a lot of time. I, I never like stay with the same shit. I'm going to feel depressed or I don't know. You're right. But it's, it's it's, be... um, there's, a, there's actually, it's, it's such a part of the human condition that even in really controlled environments, like on a, on a, a retail phone or some sort. Not like only in like computer, I do the same shit in my house. I'm going to change yeah. the furniture of place and everything. Otherwise I'm going to feel depressed. Yeah. I'm telling you guys. This is what people like. Arcan. What was that? Again, you guys need to check out Arcan. It's, you can basically okay. create your own windows manager. Yeah, but again, you can take ISWM and create everything on that, like some minimal that... You post an example of a very basic, simple Windows Manager for Arcan. And let's say... Yeah, but... I understand it. I think those will lack of supports and update. You're going to have to reinvent the wheel for a lot of things. Oh, he's already invented it all. Some people can some people can like uh, engineer PCBs from scratch. Other people will solve the same problem. Yeah, if it, if it, if it's do it for you and you, your workflow is better, do it. Mine, yeah. I just can't. I just can't. Like I love stuff that's gonna work. That's gonna be audit and everything. That's gonna have update. That's not gonna crash because something like didn't work on it. Exactly. That's what he created. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wait, but I'm the... clueless about it. I'm clueless about it. If you have some yeah. links, I posted put, put in the chat. chat. That's okay, a, awesome. The most simplest uh, Windows manager you can create using his uh, uh, graphics engine. He has a more complicated one, which also works in virtual reality. Mm-hmm. <laughs> can I give you guys a, a really weird example of writing that that I think is appropriate to this? Um, I've got a but guitar here's, that... Here's I can see like his code could be much more simplified. And most of it's in C. Uh, he just, uh, you can script whatever you want in Lua. Yeah, yeah. Can I know he... Lua. I, I wrote an old game mod for GTA San Andreas. Okay. 
Uh, I'm pretty good with it, but yeah, that, that's why I said that the consulting is, well, I don't want to do that. It's not bad. He's created quite a it's few. It's not bad. Movies. It's not bad. That's not what I said. I said it look could at be some of his, uh, Look at his other Windows managers he's created with this uh, Durdan, uh, Safe Spaces, uh, and okay. Hero. Yeah, I'm checking this out. They're quite amazing. If you're good with Lua, you will love it. <laughs> yeah, I love Lua. It, it's a great language uh, for plugins and everything. Oh, wait, what were you saying about your guitar? Similar to a game yeah, engine. Sorry, sorry to, to interrupt. Oh, but, sorry. Uh, I, had, I had an example of, of aesthetics um, that might apply. Um, I've got this guitar that, that uh, Billy Joe Armstrong from Green Day used to play right it's his main guitar it's covered in stickers it's got bj written on it every photo that you find of of green day this guy is holding this particular guitar and it's a cheap shit guitar that he got when he was a teenager and it's a ripoff of a fender blue strat 69 model or something used to be able to buy them for like 200 bucks at kmart in the in the 80s and that's why he got one his parents bought it for him nowadays if you have one of those guitars in pristine condition um, you could sell it for like 500 bucks, 1,000 bucks. But if you buy the exact stickers that Billy Joe Armstrong has got on his guitars, you buy them as decals and you write out the guitar, you can sell that guitar to some crazy collector in Japan for like $10,000. Uh, and he doesn't even, he doesn't know how to play guitar. He hasn't got the first clue how to play a guitar. That's not what he's interested in. He's interested in having the exact guitar that Billy Joe Armstrong has in the photos that he worships. And from a guitarist point of view, from a technical guitarist point of view, I think that's insane. Like, why would you spend ten thousand dollars on a on a two hundred dollar Kmart guitar covered in stickers when <laughs> when ten thousand dollars would get you ten amazing, much better guitars right now? Um, but that's because that's the aesthetic side of it. His value, his aesthetic value, is better than my technical guitarist value. I'm I'm looking at it from a functionality point of view. He's looking at it from yeah. a, I want to put this in the corner of my, of my room as, a, as an art piece point of view. Uh, yeah. And both sides will never understand each other. Like, we both think it, the other person is nuts. So, well, I mean, it definitely, think, things that are, are like artistic and that you know come from that sort of place, I mean, you can appreciate the value of them. And it's just like, if that's what you like, if you like stuff that has been, you know, covered in stickers battle torn all that shit like that's like i don't know i think that's definitely it's still the same like yeah. aesthetic so um, we're basically discussing feng shui i think feng shui is the word we're looking for it's what actually is a conversation that i've had um a couple of times um feng shui? with white cracker about uh what he, he raps about actually i like i hit him up to come in the channel but he's i guess he's, he's busy right now but like, so when a lot of people who listen to like hacker rap, right? Like if you listen to Jewel Core or you listen to Lars or you listen to Atmos or you know, listen to, you know, <laughs> the track Atmos. <laughs> um, like Who's you, don't necessarily, you don't really need to uh, understand everything that they're saying, which is, I think, a large part of the fan base um, because it's more about how it sounds. And, you know, if it sounds exactly. like it's some, like, thug-ass hacking shit or, you know, 
sounds like super technical and like you, you know, it's putting you in the mood. You might be listening to it while you're doing something super technical. So your brain is somewhere else, but you know, you're getting that, um, you know, you're just getting the aesthetic of the sound coming like into you. So like, you don't like, that's, that's a lot of things. Like there's like, like if you draw a Venn diagram of everyone who understands every word in hacker rap versus people who like listening to hacker rap, it's like, a, it's not a huge crossover. Yeah. Yeah. That's a very good example. Rap is a, a really good example. Cause you've got like, you've got super nerds on one side who don't understand, like don't understand the, the, the emotion side of it at all. They're just about the technicality of the lyrics. Um, and then there's people that don't give a shit about the lyrics at all. And they're like, no, my job as an MC is to make the ladies dance. So I'm going to make the ladies dance bounce. Uh, and those two yeah. can't agree. <laughs> they can never agree. They, they don't respect each other. Uh, and there's some rare people that can, can do both, <laughs> but those people are very special Tend to fall into one of two camps, the artsy yeah. side or the sciencey side. I think and, though that um, something that's that's important though about that is that there those two are not um, mutually exclusive. I mean, if you are, you can be there. very very technical, but also really appreciate this sort of thing. And I think honestly, um, I'm Foster really excited to in here um, because he has created a lot of ASCII art and curated a bunch of amazing uh, fonts that I actually was using. And so in our I'll uh, do again in the chat here. Um, he, uh, we have some of his uh, some of his dot files and some other stuff from other people that also contains like wallpapers and it contains um, fonts and that that stuff is just like when when I'm looking for things, I'm super big into fonts and colors. And so mm. just being able to have people that can curate, understand how to convert old like from the 80s like like bitmap fonts and other things like that and being able to put them in and and use them in a modern era i think it's just awesome yeah. and i really like uh appreciate everybody who can uh you know resurrect that kind of stuff and keep the old sort of vibe alive which is like why i try to keep our ascii art alive in our show notes too so yeah the, the website is awesome yes, the website um, is fucking awesome for real yeah, I said that Very earlier. Every every week, the the show notes just get better and better. Like, thanks. Do you you have all of them? Uh, right, you have like they're still all up from every week. Yeah, yeah. Like, um, we, should, we should we should do like an archive channel where we just have all of them listed with the date that we did it and all that next to it in Discord. That way, you can yeah, go back. yeah. We have an archive, so we'll we'll definitely be able to share that more. I have to update that next week when I take time off. Something that you has done as well that a lot of people might not know is on the Thug Crowd GitHub there is a um, repo called Gang Shit, and it's a bunch of uh, Figlet. Uh, do you want to talk about that? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, actually, I have a co I have a commit to do. I pulled some. I had like got a bunch of uh, Figlet fonts, or not? They weren't even Figlet fonts. They were from old NFOs, um, and they were. Uh, I, I redid some of the fonts um, that were just originally standalone letters that they somebody had made like 20, 30 years ago uh, and turned them into real fonts. So that's the next push that I'm going to do to that. But something that really... really um, you, what? Oh, you just reminded me, like with info files, right? That just takes us back to the where's and demo scene days where yep. you, couldn't have a, you could't have a hack HP AVC group, where's group, hacker group, whatever, without having at least one art person 
yeah. involved. I was very very important. I remember downloading keygens, and in on the on the face of the keygen, it's like looking for artists. Email this email. Yeah. Like. Yeah. 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 And the key, uh, the keygen is like one kilobyte of code is the keygen itself, or less. But the yeah, other 150 kilobytes is the music and the animation. That's the important part. Yeah, that's where the demo scene came from. Exactly. And, and the uh, demo scene, like, we can look at demo scene and, and we get both sides. We get the science and the art. Like, a, an artistic person would look at it and go, why is that anywhere near as good as the HD video I'm watching on YouTube right now? Whereas we say, no, this is written in 60 kilobytes. Like, this is raw assembler on a whatever. But so in reality, the art and the science. When in reality, they only had to change one byte in the program. So, um, <laughs> yeah, like, I wrote a keygen recently that was definitely overkill. But when, when I finished it, I realized that um, it didn't have any. And uh, <sighs> I just downloaded, like, a MIDI file and added it. Just just because it's, like, you're kind of a key file about music. Like, come on. Like, the keygen. I think Metasploit needs music. I think Metasploit needs music and, yeah. like, and animation. And music you can't turn off. At maximum no. volume. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, no. yeah. I, uh, and like a, I, abrasive techno as well, like really harsh. <laughs> I, I recently talked to somebody who had to install, reinstall Ida on a PC, and, uh, they, they were screen sharing with me and they were showing me the keygen. And it's this Chinese keygen, but it's exactly like, you know, the old, the keygens of old where it's like, it's blaring chiptune music. It's like some Mario remix, and uh, yeah, they 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 like the aesthetic. Clearly, they've they've copied so, um, it. I've actually Did actually used, uh, this is this is a, there's a screensaver for OSX for this actually, which I, I use um, on Cash Money. Um, I've put it in the the uh, the Twitch chat as well. And it's just a series of old GIFs. One is a background and one is a foreground. And then there's like this, um, there's a music track that goes with it as well, but uh, the screensaver doesn't have it. And people are always like, whoa, where'd you get that screensaver? And I'm like, what? Like, I've, it's, just, it's just old shitty GIFs. And like, it just makes this uh, really retro, cool sort of feel. It's, I like it. Nice. I just make PCBs look funny. That's really kind of what I go for. Yes. I'm not going to actually lie about it. There's actually kind of a thing I have with art and stuff like that. So I kind of have a lot of fun creating antennas that are not traditional. And it's kind of fun because usually a lot of the hands and stuff like that are like old school, pretty much like they don't want to see that type of stuff. So I kind of no. just go against the, the norm and slap a set of boobs on a PCB yeah, like the, antenna like, and just go with like, it. Like Jobs versus Wozniak all over again. <laughs> was the wanted to Apple to Apple to just be like wires and boards and you know no no he didn't even want a case <laughs> and Steve Jobs is like we're gonna put a case on it dude you what's wrong with you? Where am I gonna ash my cigarette? How am I gonna attach to the serial interface with the JTAG if I can't? If there's a case on it. Jobs is like, uh, <laughs> oh shit! Yeah, I yeah, was. I wasn't warned there were so many old people in the ham radio before I joined. Oh, hello. We have, we have a pretty active uh, ham radio channel or wireless and SDR channel, so check that out for sure. Um, anybody yeah. on, our, our, our oh, on here. Yeah. 
Sorry, it was fun kind of actually rocking. The, oh, sorry. Who am I interrupting? Sorry. I was, but you meant the uh, channel on oh. here? Yeah. Or you mean real radio? I'm confused. Uh, where is the. Uh, it's on, on the oh, Discord no. emails. Oh, it's right on the Discord That's server. Cool. You just go on your wireless Wait, SDR. Come hang out. You just install this Electron app that's like riddled with security flaws and connect to this site full of teenagers that run the shit who have no idea what they're doing. Oh, why don't you guys create a DMR channel? I, uh, I did a talk about DMR actually uh, around the Formula One in Australia. I mean, it wouldn't be hard. I, I know some of the people who work there uh, at DMARC. Oh, DMARC? Yeah, uh, they hang out in uh, Travis Goodspeed's channel. I thought you said DMR, like uh, radio. Yeah, DMR radio, but uh, DMARC is the registration service for DMR radios. Oh, nice. Right. But yeah, there's a couple people who work there who hang out in the uh, on Freenode, hashtag MD380, uh, Travis Goodspeed's channel. Yeah. We could probably get a channel registered. And Can we, a... um, since Notpike's here, what's up, Notpike? Uh, Hi. I'm can here. Can you talk about your cool little, now you got me thinking about your PCB. <laughs> um, sure. That I was, was actually talking about earlier. I'm not sure anybody, um, I asked Dakota if he saw it earlier and he said, no, this is news to me. So for those of oh, us that aren't on the right. Twitter, haven't seen this yet. So like I said before, I'm a simple person. If you put a set of boobs on it, I'm already interested. But it's more or less actually the art that I'm actually kind of into as well. And the fun part is I actually contacted the artist and she said she was still a chill with it. It's just this one kid that's over in Japan. I was just like, oh, she kind of made this. And I talked to her. It's like, hey, can I use this for something? She said it was cool. But nice. realistically, all that is, is just a uh, 1x3 patch array. It's kind of still being developed, but it's uh, for mm -hmm. Wi-Fi uh, between 2.4 all the way up to 5.8. The three elements are in there kind of in center of the three different three different main uh, bandwidths that you normally find for 2.4 and 5.8. So from top of, from bottom to top, it goes like two, it's tuned for 2.44, 5.25, and then 5.8 for the tippy-top element. And it's kind of hard to see. You kind of have to actually uh, take a look at it. But give me a minute, I'll actually post what the. What Did you, po you post the, um, the schematic to Easy EDA? Yep, uh, it's closed source though because I can't control. Uh, there's a royalty involved with the artist because I want to get her paid. Uh, so it's not open source like the other project is. But I also created a uh, Bunny Girl uh, Quadrifolix antenna that I was using when I was fooling around with Iridium. Um, that one's actually open source, and I kind of ripped that art off. It was just like this figurine photo I found on Amazon. I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. So I turned it into uh, vector art, and I used it as a screen print, and then I just kind of went around to the, that image, traced it out, and then put the antenna around it so it kind of looks like it's a uh, bunny girl in a cage, almost. I have a question you might be able to answer, but you can Hopefully. go first. Sorry. Uh, was there someone else? No, I think you're it. Let's go. Okay. Uh, would it be possible to create an antenna on a uh, PCB self-etched board, like a ultraviolet etched board? So you're talking about like the proto boards, or are you talking about the uh, ones where you can uh, pretty much create a little mask over it and use acid to eat away at the uh, right 
those kind. A breadboard? Oh, hell yeah. Or no, a breadboard or a protoboard? A protoboard. Uh, sure. I can create a dipole uh, just with a protoboard. All you really need to do is just connect the uh, whatever you want to hook it up to. SMA, for example. Acid and uh Oh, you're talking about using uh, etching? Yeah, you can do the yes, same thing. Etching. Same process. So, you know what? I actually found a laptop right now that I wanted to um, share earlier. Um, but it is the, like, this laptop I've kept for a long time. And it runs Debian still. Um, but it is a PowerBook 3400C, which is, like, one model after Acid Burns laptop in the Hackers movie. Speaking of old retro computers, you ever actually seen like the old uh, Internet Explorers? Or not the Internet Explorers, but ah, shit, I just grabbed the name. Old, uh, it's this Wireshark before Wireshark was his name. This is how we used to, or how people used to check to see if actually the packets were going through properly. Ethereal. Totally What's up? Ethereal. Ethereal. With TCB yeah. Oh, yeah. Ethereal. That's yep. it. Here, give me one second. I'll complete my thought after I actually see this thing. It looks exactly the same. Wireshark has had the most client-side vulnerabilities of any security tool ever. Oh, I love Wireshark. Right? <laughs> they have their Wireshark. own built-in buzzer. <laughs> I mean, VLC probably has more total exploits for it, but it's pretty close. But I mean, you don't have to build your own fuzzer to fuzz Wireshark. It has one already there. You can just fuzz it and find vulnerabilities. It's amazing. I think just catch like dev, the... dev random out to dev interface and just wait for Wireshark to die. That's what I do. <laughs> the thing with Wireshark is, though, you got to remember, like, it does a fuckload of stuff. So, I mean, uh, it, you know. Yeah. Well, so does, so does Adobe, uh -huh. you know, Acrobat. I remember the name. These are HP Internet Advisors. Big old giant brick laptop that really needs actually to be plugged into a wall. Oh, yes. That's a huge... That, those were like, what? Like $15,000 in like 1991? With like every yeah, single... Yeah, hella, hella expensive back in the day. But you can pick them up for about like 500 bucks now. It looks like the sort of things they, they use in Afghanistan, like in the field with like phones connected to it and shit to call in airstrikes. <laughs> it's like bigger than that. It's like... Think of like two cinder blocks that you glue together and you put a oh, handle on it and then you put a yeah. screen on it and then you put it, plug it into the wall. That's the internet. Of but this thing is actually kind of massive. It has literally ports at the gazoo. Like literally you have T1 connections on the side that you can just like yard off the side of the wall, plug in and then actually start looking at what the hey, package well, is doing. Well, people had an idea. Like we were talking about desktop and everything, but what if the crowd at his own contesting OS, like it's pretty easy. I'm not talking about managing repo, oh, or maybe yeah. just spin our own Debian version with tools of the community in it. For that would be pretty <laughs> as long fun. As we can, as Black long as we can do two steps below what GNAA did with some of their OSs, and so if we're not racist, so it comes in Biden's and ass later. That'd be funny. Yeah. yeah. Like everybody could contribute, we add our tools. That would be fun and nice because sometimes we need a fast distro 
with some set of tools that none of the distro have. Yeah. I mean, I feel like when you start talking that about sounds like making... a lot of work. No, we're talking about <laughs> well, rice it out. No, no, stuff. that's a good way to rice an o a whole OS. You could rice a whole OS. Me, I'm fine. Yeah, As anyone doesn't want to don't have to packaging. Like, if you need to deal with repo now, it's complete shit. You just create a it's create a, create a QME image with all the tools on it. That way, you can have a like a non-persistent virtual machine you can launch up and use mm, again no because let's uh, say so i'm at like... work i'm at work <laughs> i don't have any internet connection nothing i need a usb to to deploy yeah. all my tools to pen test the network depending the scope yeah you get this image you say you need a bunch of on a disk which runs qemu which runs a virtual machine which does your hacking which then QEMU dies and all the evidence is destroyed. I don't know. There's like a, uh, so like I, I did this. Saying, uh, I did this for Ericsson like years ago where um, I needed to do this job in Canada. So I had to fly there and um, we, the laptops we were yeah, given needed a certain configuration. So we used uh, make arch ISO to make an exact arch distro that was frozen. So you, you, even if you Pac-Man upgrade it, it's non-persistent on like it's a uh, re mounted um, read only and you boot it and it works every single time and it just never gets updated and it's probably vulnerable, but it doesn't matter because it's used like one time, throw it away. And all yeah. you have is the arch base and then you have an overlay FS, which you use, which it builds for you with the packages and then the files that you want. And that's all it is. It's like pretty easy to build. And then it writes it to the USB at the end for you. Anyway, I just thought of that while taking the shit, and I was like, "Damn, that's a good idea." You guys, you uh, guys don't remember Poppy, Poppy Linux? That's exactly what Poppy Linux did from USB. Oh wait, drive. wait! You yeah. you should check NTX. What was Which the, is what was the, the other one around Poppy Linux? It was, uh, the guy um, that started it got angry because people wanted to like use RPM or something. He's like, fuck that, you gotta use Puppy Manager. And so they split into two complete <laughs> separate projects now. <laughs> he didn't want to get rid of his puppet package management system and use Deb or whatever. And so he went full Terry Davis and he's like, all right, I'm creating my own operating system with blackjack and hookers and no APT. And then the other people went in another direction. So now there's two projects and I don't know what the other one's called, but it's yeah. Rip Puppet. But I hate people that make shit that are like Richard Selman. Like so, be be a side against everything. Well, Lin Linus Torvalds is like that, and that's why Linux exists is because he was such a cunt early on and demanded everybody do things his way. Um, oh yeah, over yeah. Over time, it didn't it didn't work out over time, and now he's taking a break. But that, that's why I never use Linux stock kernel. If I want performance, I'm gonna use Licorix. If I want security, I'm gonna patch it with my own patch of GRSEC, which fits with the lattice kernel. Took me like around uh, maybe one month to fix uh, every fucking thing. That was I, hard as fuck and I won't do it for the next patch. Trust me. I just uh, I just assume there's like Chinese people in the walls at all times and conduct myself accordingly. So I don't have to worry about such things. If you're... If you're always being fired on and, and you're, you're uncomfortable with that, then 
and everything becomes it's like a weight off your shoulders you're like wow i'm completely owned doesn't matter that's a great place to start but yo okay yeah. it's getting kind of late so we should wrap up real quick does anybody have any last words on resources that they have any repos they might have of cool shit that they've compiled anything to share real quick? Is the, the zuff stuff link again because i i want to check that out Oh, it's uh, github.com um, forward slash stuff stuff, but I will, uh, I posted in the chat earlier. Uh, okay. So, uh, um, one more thing. Guys, uh, I got one more thing. Does you guys, so sorry, you guys actually have a quarter pack? And you guys actually yeah. want to have your own custom splash, by the way? Just read the source code and also talk to Furtech. He'll, he'll walk you through it. If not, get a hold of me because it took me three days to figure out how to do that. It was kind of fun. All right. Hey, so, oh, uh, and, oh uh, how can we get NotPy? Can we? Where's that project link uh, for the PCB we were talking about? Which one? Is is it just under GitHub.com/slash/NotPike? Yeah, uh, GitHub.com/slash/NotPike/slash/DontCallTheCops. Yep. <laughs> so um, uh, there's a link in there somewhere over my terminals. Um, I use uh, Bash it, which is like a OMIZSH clone for Bash. So you don't. I'm need using to the same Bash it. Awesome. Yep. I like yeah, it too. Uh, I contributed to the the Redline theme that's um been circulating in the screenshots. So that's the that's my terminal, and that's where you can. You didn't have to get and some dodgy uh... files from me. If I wanna if I wanna rice out my IDA Pro, are there any resources online for that? Basically, yeah, he did, did like ZSH with oh my ZSH. Pretty much the same if you're not aware. Pretty That's awesome. True. And he did bring some nice update to it. What are you guys, what are your favorite Android launches? Oh nope. shit. That's a uh, good question. of hacking. It's like a billion people in the world know what an Android launcher is. Oh, all the I forgot the fucking launchers. No which I use uh, I use that one which make your all phone doesn't require ah oh, fuck require root. It make it Cummins yeah. line. Is it TUI? I think no. Uh, let me check. There's a it lot. Just Most of them like... are riddled with malware. <laughs> yeah, it's not uh, actual uh, shells. It just pre pre made comments, but it's still nice. Yeah, uh, there's uh, I think there's a Google Pixel, I can't remember what it's called, but what's the name of the Pixel launcher? Does anyone have a Pixel? I know you can install it on other devices now, which is uh, no, I bought this OnePlus 2 for like $50. Totally yeah, worth it. By China. Owned by China, sorry, mate. No, it's it's not China. It's uh, like someone that did owe me money for something and didn't want yeah, to sell awesome. his phone. So I just told him, oh, I'm going to give you 50 for it. Yeah, if you open it up, you'll see, uh, you'll see a piece of rice in there. It says Super Micro on it. Uh, if you pull that <laughs> off, your OnePlus phone will be absolutely backdoor free. But until then, you're pretty much Shanghai, mate. Sorry. Oh, can you DM me that? That's pretty interesting. <laughs> I did root. No, I did root my phone and everything. So yeah, I'm gonna have control and be able to remove it. Uh, yeah. yeah, one plus. One plus are okay. They're not that bad. They know one way. Let's uh, get off Okay, real quick it's one plus two. Hey, good night, everybody. Thanks, everybody, for for coming oh, and sharing their stuff. Right. Uh, it's been so. awesome um, to talk about all this stuff with you guys. 
Um, we definitely check our show notes um, later on. I'm adding some of the stuff that we shared, a lot of this cool uh, different scripts and, and repos and everything. Um, shout out to our Patreon people, which if you, I said it at the beginning, but no, I couldn't hear everybody when I said it. So don't forget that CA, um, LSSPs will be going out this weekend. So if you want one, become a Patreon supporter by tomorrow, um, depending on what part of the world you're in. Um, $2 Patreon supporters can get a virtual uh, CLSSP email to them. $10 or more can get a uh, physical copy mailed to them. Them. Um, and they'll be coming out. The first ones will be going out this weekend, so we'll start seeing what happens there. Um, also, our CTF stream is this weekend. There are still a couple spots to sign up. Um, everybody who wants to join, here's the link, putting it in the chat again. Um, we are donating. We have raised like $177. And um, Null Cookies says that he will match us. I think I'm oh, shit, I'm going to put money bucks. in there. Nice. Um, nice. He's going to uh, match us up $250 if we, um, on our donation. So if we raise over $250, we will get an additional $250 and go to oh. our uh, our $10,000 goal. So everybody uh, okay. get in there. What's let's, up? Uh, we, let's get out there and get some other people to match some donations. That sounds like Yeah, no, that's, the, that's what I want to try to do this week. This week uh, definitely to, to boost the, the presence of it. I think we booked it wicked far in advance so that it, like, sort of become not a real thing and then now it's a real thing and it's happening this weekend and we have to get on it so everybody out there retweet our pinned tweets um and uh, if you want to sign up go for it there's tons of ctfs and volumes and tools you can demo hell show people how to use metasploit for an hour whatever you want to do um get in there um and shout out to our uh patreon supporters uh anthony v dvd freytag gabe o hamburger keyboard harmony james joshua g matthew h Mayor P, Nolan B, Noel Cookies, Rob Poner, Sterling Archer, Talon, and Walski. We got a lot of people now. So um, uh, we love you guys. Thanks very much. Bye bye. Peace. Hope oh, and uh, we're seventy three right now and get a lawyer. Um, <laughs> so crowd shit. Watch out. Jeremy is probably watching our stream.